Hey, and welcome in to the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a special episode today. Obviously, this isn't going to be our daily news and notes episode. This is going to be a little bit longer, more of a marathon type of podcast, because we are partnering with our full Big Banter Sports Network on board for us today to talk through our predictions for the Big Ten. But right now, here with me, I have our CEO, Brant, of Big Ten Sports. Brant, how are you doing today? Fantastic, JR. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to get the ball rolling with this episode. First time we're really going to have um, almost the entire network together on an episode. So uh, excited to kind of give you a preview of not only the Big Ten season that's upcoming, but also what we got in store at Big Banter. It's going to be a lot of fun. For sure, for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a there's a challenge going on with this, right? There is. So all of our 14 podcasts have provided Um, record predictions for each of the 14 teams along with a few picks for coach of the year offensive player of the year defensive player of the year within the big 10 and then heisman predictions and cfp predictions so we've got a little scale going on for each uh point that you're off the mark on each team you get minus one point uh for each correct correctly guessed coach of the year offensive player of the year or defensive player of the year uh plus five points uh, plus eight for guessing the Heisman correct, and plus three for each uh, correct CFP team. And whichever pod um, has the best score there at the end of the season is going to bring home the big banter title belt. Uh, so a lot of bragging rights there. For sure, for sure. And we all know that in the Big Ten, the bragging rights, that's what matters most. So, and, But here at the Big Ten Huddle, we just like to bring everybody in and talk through stuff. We love our banter. We love talking through everything that goes on. So if you like this episode and you like the guests that we have on, join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings. I post the podcast super early in the morning. So if you're waking up for work at like 3 a.m., boom, it's going to be there for you. It's going to be ready. You can follow all of your favorite team shows with the Big Banter Sports. But first, we have a new show that we would like to introduce. So we're going to have a two other guys come in and talk through their new show that's coming on. We have Tyler Forker and Brandon Jensen to talk through Big Bookie. Tyler, Brandon, when do you, when do you want to talk about what Big Bookie is for us? You want to take care of that, Tyler? Yeah, yeah, I can take care of it. So basically with Big Bookie, we wanted to come out with our own kind of sports book for Big Banter, specifically focusing on all of our Big Ten teams and having some of our Big Ten podcasts come on and uh, have special introductions or just hearing their bets. So it's really just going to be our favorite locks of the week. It can be overs, unders, uh, total points, spreads, whatever you need, we're going to have it. And we also have a few new segments that we're uh, excited to roll out once we get started. For sure. That's awesome. I can't wait to listen to the Big Bookie podcast talking through that stuff. But just to give us a taste today, guys, just to give us a taste, Brandon, we'll start with you. Put your put your foot down on a bet this year for the Big Ten. What is something that you're like, this is my lock, this is what I'm riding with? Give us one to start off. I'll scream it to the heavens and I will continue to do it. Wisconsin over eight and a half wins. There's wow. not even four losses on the schedule, even remotely close. Ohio State comes to Madison. They miss Penn State. They miss Michigan. I mean, all their big games are at home. They go to Purdue, Washington State. You know how big these uh, road games can be, and they don't have any. So I I would like to say they would flirt with double-digit wins easily. They're my Big Ten West champion. They bring in Tanner Mordecai from SMU with the air raid offense coming into Wisconsin, something we have not seen in 
maybe ever. It is going to be an exciting team. They're going to be fun. I love them to go over eight and a half. And I can't wait to see what Braylon Allen does with that air raid offense. As much as they do throw the ball, uh, they also run it quite a bit. So he's going to be he's going to be fed there, and it's going to be one hundred percent going to be fun to see for sure. Tyler, what are, what are you putting your foot down on? So this may be a little controversial, but I'm going to go Michigan State over five and a half wins. I know last year they did not get over that mark, and they don't have a lot of weapons that may jump off the screen, but I think it's going to be in the trenches. Their offense and defensive line have taken big steps this offseason, and they have a quarterback battle going on up in East Lansing. So I think with their schedule, they're going to be able to get it done, get to that six-win mark, and really be um, a formidable opponent within the West. For sure, man. That is that is a bit controversial. I know uh, for them losing to IU at the end of the season last year, mm-hmm. I think they got a bad taste in their mouth. And yeah. I don't think Mel Tucker likes uh, much of the talk that's been coming from the Michigan fan base. So, you know, I think that that could all culminate together, and, and I like the pick. It's interesting. But – just a few days from now, we have Nebraska, we have Minnesota, we have an awesome game that I'm sure we'll preview throughout this episode. But looking at the plays for that game, uh, Brandon, we'll start with you again. What what are some of your plays for that game? So I'm going to have three plays for that game. It's I'm a Matt Rule guy, so these are Nebraska plays. Um, first play is going to be Nebraska plus seven and a half. I love them. To, I mean, that half a point is huge. I would play it to plus seven, but I think they come out early. And they come out firing. Matt Rule's getting these guys ready to go. Nebraska back to glory. Maybe not yet, but they're going to have them guys ready to go in the first half easily, which is why I'm going to take plus three and a half in the first half as well. And I'm going to parlay that with Jeff Sims anytime touchdown and Jeff Sims over rushing total. It's not out yet. I don't know what the odds will be, but I'm, I think that's a great, fantastic play for us. And then I will also be taking – Nebraska to score in the first quarter at minus 135. Love it. Love it. I'm a huge Matt Rule guy too. And I think I told somebody the other day, I wouldn't be surprised if they go 10 and two this season. And uh, it gave me a bit of a weird look, but maybe not as weird of a look as Tyler gets with his, with his five and a half Michigan state. So Tyler, if you have a hot take for this Minnesota, Nebraska. Uh, Not quite a hot take. I'm definitely going to be tailing Brandon on that plus seven and a half. I think, after last year going over and losing to Northwestern, there is no way that Nebraska doesn't come out and lay down the law against Minnesota. I think it's going to be a beatdown, and I love that seven and a half line. Awesome, for sure, for sure. Well, hey, uh, while we have the last minute or two here, go ahead and uh, plug the socials for where people can find the Big Bookie podcast. Let us know uh, where can we find you out there. Yeah, so we'll be on Twitter. We'll be um, dropping. It'll be under Big Bookie. Uh, so we'll be dropping those uh, weekly for uh, the Big Bookie. And we'll have a week one episode dropping sometime next week. We haven't ironed out when, probably on Friday. So be uh, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we're really excited. Let's win some money. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's the goal. That's the goal. Let Tyler and Brandon win you some money this season. Pay attention to the Big Bookie podcast. We'll have a ton of fun. Any final thoughts, guys? I think we're all set. I think we're good to go. We're ready to win some money this season. Let's do it. All right. Good deal. Hey, thanks, guys. We are going to transition now to our Illinois predictions. So we are going to have Eric and son or Austin, I apologize, not uh, Sunny. We have Eric and Austin in here. Before we get into that, though, guys, let me ask you just real fast. Answer it for me. Do any 
Big Ten West players have a chance to win the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year award this year? It just not saying they will, but any chances of anybody out there you guys think? Go ahead, Austin. Uh, Junior, I can't. JR, I can't really hear you right now at the moment. Um, I can hear Eric, but not you. Interesting. Uh, I'll go first then, Austin, while you work on that, because I can hear I can hear Jr. just fine. Um, I got one guy that is interesting to me, Jr. It's Tanner Mordecai. He's had great numbers. He's a six-year senior. Uh, great numbers. He had seven thousand yards passing, seventy touchdowns in the past two years at SMU. He's a six-year senior, um, moving to Wisconsin. There's not a ton of of returning quarterbacks in the Big Ten, a lot of new gunslingers. We see the new direction that the Badgers are going. I'm high on Wisconsin, just like Brandon Jensen was in his prediction. I think Tanner Mordecai's got a shot to to put up some some numbers that they've not seen in Madison before or that they see very often in the Big Ten West. That's kind of my sleeper offensive player of the year out there. Hey, awesome. All right, Austin, can you hear me at all right now? No. Keep, right. uh, since you since he, he he can't hear you, Austin. The question was: Is there anybody in the Big Ten West that could be Offensive Player of the Year in your mind? In the Big Ten, uh, not at this moment. I think that Offensive Player belongs in that last game of the season. I think it's either going to be Blake Corum or Marvin Harrison Jr. or JJ McCarthy. I think it's just one of those three guys that's going to be the Offensive Player of the Year. The Big Ten West just doesn't lend itself to too many. Uh, offensive player of the years. So that's why I don't think that it's going to happen within this division in the final year. I think it's just all going to be within that, uh, that big 10 East. All right. I love it. Hey, Eric, why don't you go ahead and start with us uh, with our Illinois predictions? You have Illinois at six and six, barely squeak into a bowl game. Can you tell us a little bit about that schedule for us? Yeah. So Austin, the question is, is, is our Illinois predictions as far as the records? And I went with six and six, which I'm sure that you're going to completely disagree with, but here's my reasoning why Um, Brett Bielema went five and seven in 2021 first year there. It was a kind of a surprise to everybody that he kind of turned things around as quickly as he did there last year eight and four a tremendous year for for him and for the Illini best year they've had in quite some time um they lost kind of their odd identity on offense in, in my opinion with quarterback Tommy DeVito and running back Chase Brown who was just a handed to him 20 30 shoot 35 times a game and he was going to pick up uh, those yards and and really Illinois won a lot of football games in a phone booth and so I think that identity that the Illini had on, on offense is one thing. They also lost uh, the both Alex offensive lineman named Alex, Alex uh, Pajuski or Pazuski. You help me with that. Uh, Palcheski. Uh, there we go. Palcheski. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And uh, Philstrom, Alex Philstrom. So finding enough offense to win in those close games that they're going to have in the West I think is going to be a little bit of a coin flip for them this year. And then if you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, they lost all pretty much their entire defensive backfield. That was legitimately awesome last year. Now that defensive line is for real. It is for real there in Illinois. We've been preaching that on our podcast, but finding replacing those guys and then keeping that level of where they were 
is not going to be easy, especially when you kind of look at you know what they have in the schedule. The, the West seems to kind of be a coin flip. I feel six and six and getting back to a bowl game is a really good year when you're replacing all of those pieces. That's just kind of uh, uh, how I feel there, Austin. What's your prediction on the on your team you cover, man? I mean, the Illini are winning the Big Ten West. I, I don't think it's really even that much of a conversation in all honesty. Really? I, I mean, you look at Wisconsin, they add Luke Fickle. Yes, they have a great quarterback coming in, but they're changing their entire identity um, overnight. And teams that do that tend to struggle that next year. So I think that you look at what Illinois brings to the table, a great offensive line, a an offensive line that continues to build upon itself uh, in the Brett Bielema image. And you, th- you talked about Chase Brown, the running back with Wisconsin. He changed over running backs a lot and they were still successful year after year after year after year. So the offensive uh, identity for Illinois is set defensively. In the Big Ten West, there's only going to be one air raid style offense, and that's going to be with the Wisconsin Badgers. So that's why I'm not too concerned about what the defensive backfield will bring. I think when you look at that defensive line of Illinois, I I don't think there's that many teams that are better in the country right now. So if you combine all those factors, I don't see in a world where the Big Ten West, yes, they might get shellacked by an Ohio State. Yes, they might get shellacked by a Michigan in Indianapolis. But I look at the Big Ten West, I don't see that many competitors that are like truly at eye level of what Illinois is going to bring this season. So that's why I have them 10 and 2 and winning the Big Ten West. Wow, that's crazy. Eric, uh, that is quite the difference from you. Tell, tell us where Austin is wrong. Go ahead and let us know. When's Illinois done it? I mean, last year was 8 and 4. They went 8 and 5 after the bowl game, and it was their best year since Juice Williams was quarterback that I can remember. Um, I just, Brett Bielema is, is consistent. I'll give you that. I, I, I commend him for turning around their program as quickly as he has, but I just see that there's a little bit of a regression to the mean. Um, I, you didn't mention Iowa. They're better. I think Wisconsin is going to be better than what they were last year. Uh, Minnesota is consistent. I think that's a coin flip. And those are Minnesota hasn't beat Illinois in two years. Okay. I, when Minnesota beats Illinois again, that's whenever I'll take them seriously again in the Big Ten West. When's the last time you guys beat Purdue? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And yes, I'm not they've even had and, struggles there. And I'm not even bringing up the Boilermakers because they've got a new they got a new coach, and I, I, you know I'm not as high on them as a lot of other people are as well. But I'm just saying I don't think Illinois is 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 ten and two material. I don't see it. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Um, I would I would like to play Illinois and Indiana because I think that's an auto W for the Buckeyes. But I just – I don't know, man. I think you guys are going to have more trouble with the Wisconsin, the Iowas, and the West than what you're, you're portraying there. I mean, we beat Wisconsin last year. We beat Iowa last year. We beat Nebraska last year. Uh, and some of those teams are starting back at square one. Um, so that's why I'm not too concerned uh, over what uh, Illinois – Big Ten West schedule brings in front of them. Uh, Ryan Walters is going to come into a problematic situation at Purdue. I think that's going to be a dub. So, again, there's just not too many competitors that have the consistency that Illinois has brought from last year to this year, even with the losses of Devin Witherspoon and Chase Brown. But I will ask you this. Is Tom Allen of Indiana on the hot seat? Yes. 
Definitely, that is a I think perfect so. transition for our next team of Indiana. I love it. Thanks, Austin, for for getting there. And I know uh, arrogant Ohio State fan, as most of the Big Ten will see him. Eric will have a hot take on that for sure. Eric, what's your what's your hot take on that? On Tom Allen having been on the hot seat? Yes. Oh, his butt's on fire, dude. Um, uh, he can, he can love everyone that he wants. He can love the entire state of Indiana. He can even love Purdue and Notre Dame in his own state. It doesn't matter. Um, they are completely on a rebuild. You want to talk about teams that are rebuilding. Uh, that's the team that is, has been consistently on the rebuild, it seems like, but now they're trying to institute a new quarterback. Um, they have zero, and I mean, zero depth there at Indiana. They say they, they come out, they play hard for two and a half, three quarters, and then the depth catches up with them. They are usually one, two or three injuries away from being obsolete in the conference because if it just takes one or two of their top guys going down on offensive defense, next thing you know, the Hoosiers aren't there. Now they, they'll, they'll start the year off strong. It seems like they'll come up, they'll surprise somebody. They'll play Ohio State strong at the beginning of the year. They shocked uh, Penn State, I think it was, a couple years ago. Um, but this is not the same Indiana team that took advantage of the COVID year and, some, and shocked everybody. Um, the best player Indiana's had, in my opinion, in a long time is fighting for a Heisman out in Washington this year. I just think Indiana is on the bottom of the Big Ten, in my opinion, and definitely in the East, if not the entire conference. At the end of this year, Tom Allen will be looking for a new job. And it might be he takes his little LEO, love everyone, over to Evanston, Illinois, to be the Northwestern's head coach. Because, listen, he's got experience in the Big Ten. He turned around Indiana once, and if there's if they need love anywhere in the Big Ten, it's in Evanston right now. I think he would be actually a really good fit for Northwestern if they can't uh, get things turned around enough this year to keep who they've got. Yeah, I think Tom Allen is donezo at Indiana because, yes, he's built a great relationship with Indiana high school coaches, but that top talent is still going to the likes of Michigan. It's they're going to Ohio State. They're going to an SEC program of the of the hour. Uh, who was ever showing them the most love? I mean, it, it's a tough road to hoe if you're Tom Allen in Indiana and getting that top talent to stay in Bloomington because you also have Notre Dame. You also have Purdue uh, in that same state, and those programs are on the rise and. Once you lose momentum in college football, it is very tough to get it back. So I think Tom Allen is going to be probably with Ryan Day or Jim Harbaugh at the, as an analyst uh, after this final year, because I think with Big Ten money, I think Northwestern can get uh, almost anybody they would want uh, after this year is over and the interim status is done. Uh, so Indiana, I have them at 2-10 and 10, uh, this upcoming season. I think it's just way too difficult in that division, and I think – non-conference wise i think it might be a little difficult for themselves as well so uh indiana they're in deep trouble they need to hit that complete reset button on their playstation and and start the process over because it's uh it's a it's kind of over right now man not a lot of not a lot of hope for iu this season which is uh it's just troublesome but maybe maybe a new coach will bring that bring that fire in there and help them uh, they have to be Indiana State. They have to be Akron. Uh, just two two games that you cannot afford to lose at all. And who knows? Maybe they'll 
Maybe they will surprise another Michigan State. Maybe they will do something else like that. Who knows? So, all right, Austin, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. We are going to move Austin out of here now, and we are going to bring in some boiler – or uh, we're going to bring in a couple others to talk through the Ohio State predictions. We have Ashley from Northwestern, right, Ashley? Yes, that's yes. correct. There we go, the wild chat, and we have Adam here as well. Thanks so much for coming in, guys, as we talk through Ohio State. Let me start with this, Eric, and go ahead and just give us all of your Ohio State wisdom and knowledge here. There has not been a an offensive player that is not a quarterback or running back since 2004 with Braylon Edwards to win the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Give us your argument really fast for Marvin Harrison Jr., um, his dad's a hall of famer and he's better than his dad was in college. That could add to it. <laughs> uh, n- name me, name me one other wide receiver in college football right now who has anywhere near the clout that he's got. Not the clout, not the clout. That's for sure. Uh, Adam, Ashley, you all have any thoughts on Marvin Harrison jr. For offensive player of the year. I mean, for me, guys, just a baller. Um, it really comes down to that. What you see, what he does with that offense. Um, there's just so much talent that he has. And when you look at, you know, the other players in college football with similar skill levels, um, I think he's the guy. It it really just comes down to that. And I think he brings a lot to the table, um, over there at Ohio state. Ashley, your thoughts. Honestly, I can't disagree with Adam. I mean, there's just a lot of talent on that team. So yeah, I mean, Adam kind of said everything that I think I would have said, but yeah, we're kind of sharing a brain right now. Um, there's just so much talent on that team, and yeah, he does bring a lot to the table. Marvin sure, Harrison's think- work ethic, Jr. is incredible. That's the, that's the thing that his work ethic is incredible. So the other night, the media met with the wide receivers after practice. All the wide receivers after practice come over. The media is asking a question. Marvin Harrison's still in the practice facility practicing. The media gets 10, 15 minutes with each wide receiver. They leave. They're done. Marvin's still practicing. They're, they're asking, do we get to do we get to interview Marvin? Marvin says, yeah, I'll be done in 15 minutes. He practiced an extra 30 minutes because he had one drop during the practice. Wow. That's what you're dealing with with this guy. And his a first per- drop last year was against Michigan, right? Yeah, he's a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. That is wild. And I think the other big piece of it that not everybody's talking about that can add to this is that with that ongoing QB battle, you might not see the star QB from Ohio State that is just kind of like, you know, because I think it's been what the past four or five years or something and Ohio State QB has won that award. So Kind of same similar thing with what happened with the Heisman with Devontae Smith back in 2020, where Mac Jones really wasn't the star that Devontae Smith was, and it kind of led him to that. So, all right, well, hey, Eric, go ahead and let us know about the Ohio podcast before we uh, before we get too much into it. Sure. So we are the Ohio State uh, representative on Big Banter. We're extremely proud about that, excited for that. Uh, we just got done with all 14 um, Big Ten previews, including the Northwestern Wildcats. Thank you, Ashley and Adam from Wild Chat for being part of that. And uh, so go check us out on YouTube at The Ohio Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Ohio Pod. We have over 8,000 followers on Facebook. So you can look us up on Facebook at The Ohio Podcast. And if you can't find any of that, just go to Big Banter's uh, website, bigbantersports.com. Look up Ohio State. And uh, we're there for you, man. Awesome. We go every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, live. Be a part of the live show every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. 
Right. And I think last time you were on, you said uh, you have chat or uh, call-in shows coming up during the season, right? That's right. Awesome. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. So head on over there, check it out. And we'll get to the wild chat soon, but we're going to talk some Ohio State predictions right now. Eric, what what does the season look like for, for you? For me, it boils down boils down to two things. Number one, does the quarterback and the offensive line, whoever the quarterback's going to be, because we still don't know, do they gel well enough to give this offense a chance with the weapons that you have, like Marvin Harrison Jr., Jr. Mecca Buka, former number one recruit Julian Fleming, the uh, one of the top recruits in this class, and Carnell Tate, a healthy Travion Henderson at running back, the deepest running back room Ohio State has had since the 90s. Uh, when Eddie George was your Heisman Trophy winner running back. This offense has got tons of weapons, but that offensive line, can they gel well enough, and do we have the right signal caller to score enough points? And then on the flip side of that, this is probably, on paper, the best defense Ohio State's had since 2019 when they had Chase Young, a Jeffrey Okuda, and all of those All-Americans um, uh, playing on that defensive side of the ball. So it boils down to this, Jr. At the end of the season, can you beat your rival and win the Big Ten? If you can't, then it doesn't matter how many stars your recruits have. Um, doesn't matter if you won 11 games or not up until that point. If you don't win that game and you don't win the Big Ten, then the season was a failure, and you heard it here, Ryan Day will be on the hot seat at that point. Hard to imagine Tom Allen and Ryan Day on the hot seat together. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Tom Allen goes 10 and two and he's on this hot seat and Ryan day could go, uh, or two and 10, sorry. Ryan day could go 10, 10 and two and be on the hot seat. Tom Allen go two and 10 and be on the hot seat. That is uh, quite, quite the difference, but we did have wild chat predict that, that Ohio state would go 10 and two. So Ashley, you want to start us off? What, uh, what's the weakness you see here that would have them go 10 and two? Yeah, sure. So we were kind of, or when we were talking, uh, me, Adam, and our other co-host, Dylan, who unfortunately couldn't be here with us today, we were talking, we were thinking about college football and all its craziness. And so we kind of predicted a little bit of a crazy scenario for Ohio State, which I'll let Adam get into part of it later. But we predicted losses. We predicted an early loss against Notre Dame, and we predicted a late loss against Michigan at the end. We were thinking a close game against Michigan, go to the very end, something would happen maybe last-minute field goal, sort of similar to what happened last year, New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day, maybe something like that, um, losing a really close game to Michigan towards the end. Um, and then we were thinking that in order to actually make the college football playoffs, they would have to win the rest of the games in the blowout in order to be ranked high enough to get there. Um, that's just sort of the craziness that we were thinking of. I don't know, Adam, if you want to add anything else that we talked about, but that was sort of the summary of it. Yeah, so I think I think our thinking was number one, what's big banter all about? Some crazy takes. So let's just see where this goes. Um, number two, I mean, we've kind of mentioned it a couple times, uh, but the quarterback situation at Ohio State right now is still up in the air. Um, and you you don't really when you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have any quarterbacks. Um, so I'm personally still waiting to see what happens there. So, you know, against a good team like Notre Dame in in, in the fourth week of the season, the first kind of real test for Ohio State. Who knows if they have a quarterback by then? Who knows if they don't? Um, who knows if one quarterback kind of elevated themselves? And probably by then they have. But let's say they just lose that game, right? And then, you know, they'd have to kind of blow out Maryland, Purdue. Penn State would have to be a really, really big win 
Um, and then Wisconsin too would also have to be a really big win to kind of get back into that college football playoff scenario. But looking at the other top teams, you know, just let's say in the top 25 AP poll right now, I can't really say that I'm in love with any of the other teams as locks for the college football playoff. Of course, Georgia and Michigan uh, in the scenario I'd have, but Alabama, we saw what happened last year. They're, they're worse than they were last year, I'd say. LSU and teams like USC, I'm not in love with as locks right now for uh, the college football playoff. If you look at their schedules, I think there's easily two losses in those teams. So when it comes down to two loss teams potentially making the college football playoff, why not Ohio State, right? Um, we talked about their talented defense. Uh, they've definitely got the piece on offense. And at the end of the day, um, they're a team that AP poll voters love. Um, so I would say I would say Ohio State still sneaks in there with two losses. Sure, it'd be crazy. It'd be a little bit unprecedented. Um, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And hey, why not? What do you think, Eric? You think uh, two loss Ohio State in the college football playoffs? Surely the uh, rational Ohio State fans would just be totally fine with that, right, Eric? No, we wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we would not. Um, I I can see a, I can see a nightmare scenario where Ohio State goes eight and four this year if they don't get that offensive line straightened out and they don't have a quarterback like Adams bringing up. Yeah, you're going to lose to Notre Dame. You're probably going to lose at Wisconsin at night. That's a that's a crazy trap game that I'm worried about. Uh, you're probably going to lose to Penn State, and you're probably going to lose that team up north um, if you don't have those things straightened out. But that's a crazy scenario. That's a nightmare scenario. I think Ohio State's eleven and one. I think Michigan goes eleven and one. I think Penn State goes eleven and one. We all beat each other. And I also think Wisconsin goes eleven and one. I think there could be four Big Ten teams at the end of the year vying for those four college football playoff spots. And again, crazy prediction. This is big banter. I think I think three Big Ten teams get into the college football playoff this year. Unprecedented, un, just would be absolutely insane. And I would love to just collect every single SEC tier when that happens. Yeah, that'd be really uh, sending a shot to the Tennessee fans last year that thought that was going to happen with the SEC. I know mm-hmm. I heard them saying Georgia and Bama and Tennessee, and they they just about did it. So you never know. As long as uh, as uh, Penn State doesn't have an absolute failure like Tennessee last year, having 63 points scored on them at the end of the year. Right, right. I don't even know what team could do that. You know, they have Michigan State. I don't know. Some. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there. I don't know that there is one in the Big Ten this year that could do that. I look at their schedule and they have Ohio State, Michigan. Those are about the only two teams on their schedule I think are capable of scoring sixty-three points against a Big Ten team, and of course, you know Northwestern as well, right? Right. Wildcat. That's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, awesome. We'll go ahead and we will uh, send Eric and Ashley and Adam on. Thanks so much for coming on, talking about the Ohio State predictions, guys. We will visit with the Northwestern side of everything here later on. But right now, we are going to bring on Spartan Dog to talk about Purdue. And Brant is going to come back and talk through some of the points for our Boiler Express podcast, who's not able to be here. But before we get too far into that, I do want to know, is Ryan Walters a real contender for Big Ten Coach of the Year this year. Brant, your thoughts? I'd say if you were to ask the Boiler Express podcast, they'd undoubtedly say absolutely. Um, and, I mean, Big Ten Coach of the Year, it's, it really is a different guy every year. Um, lots of times it is like one of those, you know, up-and-coming guys who just comes in and overperforms expectations. Uh, so with that being like kind of the way that, that the award's determined, 
I'd say that Ryan Walters definitely has a chance to to kind of capture that award. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of winning, which I'm not sure what even the expectations are with Purdue this year. It's really like a toss up. Um, but I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past um, him to potentially uh, keep that program put that program at seven or eight wins and uh, take that award home. Love it, love it. Now, now, Spartan Dog, as somebody who has a coach who greatly overperformed expectations, had a Heisman finalist just a couple of seasons ago with Mel Tucker. Do you see anything like kind of the the magic that Mel Tucker had a couple seasons ago happening with Ryan Walters this year? Um, I don't. Uh, you know, I he was he was an out of the box hire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone in I think everyone who follows Big Ten football and follows Purdue kind of knew that they were borrowing Jeff Brom from Louisville. They weren't, um, you know, they were never going to keep him from taking that job. So I, I think, I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of in a weird place, right? They're they're They lost, they lost their quarterback. They lost their, their leading wide receiver and they're, they're in a division where, yeah, they won it last year by basically default, but you know, you have Luke Fickle now in Wisconsin, Iowa's going to get better. Minnesota is probably going to be pretty solid. You know, Nebraska, there's a ton of question marks and you're just kind of looking at how everything stacks up and it just kind of, it, it's again, it's against, it's against Purdue's grain for them to be able to be successful. I think. Yeah, so I think I think that'll help us a little bit know where Spartan Dog stands with the prediction. Before we get into that, though, Brant, you want to go ahead and let people know where they can find the Boiler Express podcast? Yeah, so these guys record their pod. Uh, they go live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can find them either through BigBanterSports.com. Just uh, pop on over to their page. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. Really, honestly, wherever you get your podcast, they're there. Um Unfortunately, they're not able to hop on for the show today, so I'll be uh, hopping in and covering for them. Um, but yeah, but we can dive right into it. Sure. Let us know what the prediction is and uh, some of the thoughts behind it. So yeah, Boiler Express, um, as a podcast as a whole, they took Purdue to go 8-4 and four this season. Uh, their reasoning behind that was that they know they have a lot of turnover. They know this is kind of maybe a hot take. Um, but their their thoughts were there's turnover all over the place in college football. Um, I mean, especially in the Big Ten West, Purdue is a big question mark, but you can't really say that all the rest of the teams aren't a big question mark. Uh, so this is this is the best case scenario where they're able to come out eight and four and maybe sneak back in uh, to Indy like they did a season ago. Um, and also uh, they wanted to uh, make the point that Hudson Card uh, at quarterback is bringing a lot more experience and talent than maybe some of the other transfers coming in, uh, given that he's coming from a high major program. He played in some big games last year, like that Alabama game. Um, that So they're pretty high on Hudson Card, and I kind of have to agree with him. I think he's a good quarterback, and I think um, he kind of offers, offers the chance uh, for Purdue to maybe outperform expectations. All right. What say you, Spartan Dog? Uh, I have Purdue going 3-9. Uh, you, you look at their schedule. Um, they don't exactly have the, the classic Michigan cupcake non-conference. Um, they, they welcome in Fresno state and, you know, Fresno state's probably one of, uh, has been one of the upper echelon G five teams here in the last five years. 
they travel to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech, which is which is not an easy feat, even when Virginia Tech's kind of down, although I think they're kind of on the come up here. Uh, and then they welcome in a Syracuse team that has kind of been uh, that has kind of been up and down, up and down throughout uh, Dino Barber's tenure. But I think I think the waters kind of found its level up there. And, you know, that's no walk in the park. And then you get into the conference schedule. Uh, you have to play you have to play your division. You have to play an Ascendant Wisconsin program, an Ascendant Illinois program, uh, an Iowa program that has one of, if not the best defense in the country, and added a championship quarterback in Cade McNamara. Uh, you play Ohio State. You have to go to Michigan. You have to go, you have to play Minnesota. It's just it doesn't it doesn't stack up in it doesn't stack up in Purdue's favor this season. I just think I think there's too much going against them. Yes, Hudson Card is P five experience, but you know if he was the reason, I think they lost that Al- Texas lost that Alabama game last season, and I just don't see I just don't see where the where the road is for Purdue to go to be bowl eligible or to even go eight to go eight, let alone eight and four. Wow. Yeah. So you're, tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying here one out of conference win, a win against probably Northwestern and maybe IU. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. I I think that's where I'm at. I just, I just don't see them, you know, Ohio state has to go to Purdue, which, you know, when high ranked teams go to Purdue, weird stuff happens. Brent and I can both attest to that. Yeah, I know all too well. Uh, Purdue's given Ohio State some trouble in the past, so you never you never know with those um, there. But but you know you've got them what eight and four? You said Brant. So obviously there's five games in there that you think maybe could go the other way that that Spartan dog doesn't think so. Give me one or two in there uh, and give us the argument for why they're going to win that one of those games. Yeah, I mean, so I personally have them six and six. The Boiler Express oh, podcast gotcha. was, the, was the ones who had them eight and four. Gotcha. Um, but their their thinking was they could have like most of those Big Ten West games, especially at home, are coin flips. Um, I think they had them taking most of the home games, losing a few on the road, maybe t- taking one on the road, uh, but kind of just running the table in the Big Ten West. Which, I mean, it's a possibility. You don't really know what a lot of those teams are this year, but again. Purdue probably is a tier below teams like Iowa, Minnesota. Like we know a little bit more about, about those teams. Yeah, you'd have to have some magic from Devin Mockaby and uh, Hudson Card and and all those who were going on there. So, all right, Spartan Dog, any final thoughts on Purdue for us, real fast? Uh, no, I will just say that um, the their record this year, I don't think, is an indictment of Ryan Walters. I just think. They sustained some heavy losses via graduation, and uh, I think eventually he'll kind of get them back to back to kind of middle in the pack in the Big Ten. You know, whatever happens to the Big Ten after this. Um, but yeah, I just think I think they're up against it this season, and it's just it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding. Yeah. Yeah, I think they definitely have a good future with Ryan Walters. But if uh, if if what you're saying is correct, they are going to have a hard time losing Jeff Brom and going through that whole situation. Any final thoughts, Brett? 
think we about covered it. I mean, I, I'd be surprised to see Purdue go eight and four, but you never know. Yep. Hey, it'll be fun. A lot of banter if that happens. So we're looking forward to it. So, all right, we're going to have Brent head out of here then. And we are going to bring in Alec and Sully to talk through some Penn State predictions. And I, I think this one could get a little a little heated because we got a few different, a few different ways. Nobody thinks Penn State's going to be bad. But, you know, when you're at the level that Penn State is going into the season with, with predictions, you can see some different stuff. But my question to start is, does Chuck... Top Robinson have a chance to win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Ten over the likes of JT Tuomolau, Johnny Newton, Tommy Eichenberg, some of those big, big names. Go ahead and start us off, Alec. Yeah, so, you know, the, the big thing with him, I think, that we were going for when we put him in as our prediction was it's also his second year at Penn State because uh, he transferred over from Maryland and he didn't get here, I think, until the end of April, early May. So it was kind of, you know, a new thing for him, just really had fall camp that year, didn't do much else uh, with the program in 2022. So now he had a full year with the, you know, strength and conditioning, the winter workouts, spring camp, all that. Manny Diaz comes back. And another thing we're kind of banking on there, I think, is uh, Adisa Isaac is healthy on the other side, Deny Dennis Sutton, the, the freshman last year, supposed to be another good defensive end. And with the two linebackers in Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter, there's a lot for offensive lines to account for now with this defense. So Robinson has a chance to get over 10 sacks. We feel like I think he was at five and a half last year, but he was first or second in the entire country in pressures. He just is kind of opening up for the other guys. I think now it might be the reverse because of what, what a big name Abdul Carter became by the end of the season. Uh, defense or offenses might be uh, more worried about him and, Curtis Jacobs at linebacker than Robinson. I like it. What do you think, T. Sully? Um, for us here at the Sully Scoop, we think Penn State is obviously a great team. You know, they're on definitely the top tier, but we just think there's a second top tier, and they don't really match with Michigan or Ohio State. So we predicted Penn State to go nine and three, which is a great season, but we just figured it was more likely they dropped to a game, say like Michigan State or Illinois, rather than top Michigan or Ohio State this season. You're shaking your head over there, Spartan Dog. What, what are you <laughs> thinking? I see that games getting... that that Michigan State Penn State games in a dome. And look, Alec, if you see yeah. an NBC executive anywhere anytime soon, you owe them a fat kiss. Oh, I I know, I know. You, you owe them a big slobbery smooch. Yep. I just, I don't know. I like when I look at Penn State, I look at a team who, uh, who finally has enough pieces, I think, to compete with with Ohio State and Michigan. Um, I have them going twelve and zero. I have them going undefeated. I have them going to the college football playoff, and I have Drew Allard winning the Heisman Trophy this year. Uh, I'm nothing if not a that boy nice watcher, and. Drew Allard, that boy is nice. So I think, and I think having a defending champion kind of be in that mix, I think a defending winner, excuse me, and Caleb Williams kind of still being in the mix. I think that helps Drew Allard's case because I do think the voting committee takes into account the fact that there's only been one repeat winner in the entire history of the award. And do they really, 
do they really think that whatever Caleb Williams is going to do against lesser competition in the final year of the Pac-12 is going to be enough to do is going to be enough to up upsert you know years of tradition of Archie Griffin standing alone as the only repeat winner winner I don't think so I think they're going to give it to a guy who who led you know a nationally like recognized program back to dominance and back into the college football playoffs so Wow. So I, this has not happened yet on the show, but Alec, you are the yeah. Penn State fan. Tell the Michigan State fan why he's wrong about thinking so highly of your Nittany Lions. Well, I, I don't want to say he's wrong, but uh, I, I our, our thought process was it's incredibly hard to beat both Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, Penn State actually hasn't done it since 2008. And, you know, even though this is pretty talented Penn State team, uh, Michigan and Ohio State are also at an incredibly high level right now. Uh, I mean, the one thing going for them is that Michigan's home at, well, the Michigan game for Penn State is at home. Uh, Michigan has kind of struggled at Beaver Stadium, even when they were the way more talented team. Uh, 2015, 2000, what was that, 21? Those are two instances where the game was probably a lot closer than it should have been. So I, I, I think Penn State has a chance there. And Ohio State, I mean, really talented, but Penn State has kind of the defense that matches up with Ohio State when it, they're strong at edge rusher, they're strong at cornerback. So if you want to stop uh, Ohio State's crazy pass game, that's kind of the two areas you need to be good at on defense. So, I, I mean, yeah, we, we thought about 12-0, and but it just it feels so hard to beat both of them in the same season. It just It is a very hard thing to do because they are two of the top three teams in the country probably this year, so it, that that was kind of our thought process. It's it's a little difficult to get over the both of them, but on the uh, the Aller Heisman thing, we we think he has the talent to do it. the The one thing is he has two really good running backs that we think might take away some of the accolades from him and all that. Where if they both do what they did last year, they're both over a thousand scrimmage yards and ten plus touchdowns. I I don't know how much people are going to give a ton of credit to the quarterback because I, I don't know how much there is to go around, you know, how much scoring, how many stats, but I think he has the talent to do it. I just think with the running backs he has, it's going to be hard for him to win the Heisman. Man, I feel like I'm the only one that's looking at this schedule right now and saying, you know, yes, Ohio State, yes, Michigan, some of those things. T-Saw, you may have said it earlier. I don't, I don't remember, but that Iowa game week four, kind of worries me, kind of makes me think, man, you could have a really strong defense going up against a young Drew Aller. I know he played a little bit last year, but a young Drew Aller who is certainly capable of winning the Heisman, we think, with his talent and everything. But uh, T-Soul, since you're kind of the lowest mm-hmm. on Penn, on uh, Penn State, can you can you tell us a little bit about that Iowa-Penn State game and if I, uh, Penn State fans should be uh, a, little, a little worried? No. That's my answer for that one. You guys should be able to handle Iowa. They've got one of the worst offenses in college football. And the chance of their defense coming out this season and being the best in the Big Ten again, we think is fairly unlikely. We think they're going to have a great defense, but is it going to be the best in the Big Ten a second season in a row? I just, I don't think so. I, I think that Michigan State game at the end of the year, if you guys lose to Ohio State and Michigan this year, that one might be a trap game just because like the team's not competing for a big 10 title. So Mm -hmm. 
like what are they playing for at that point? But if you guys knock off Ohio State or Michigan or both, you know, then you're talking something else there. Yeah, I, I definitely see your reasoning uh, with the Michigan State game. I would say I think the majority of the Penn State fan base is more concerned with the Illinois game. Uh, just because of how strong they are on the D-line, Aller's first conference start on the road. I think it's an 11 a.m. kick local time. So Penn State's kind of struggled with 11 a.m. kicks. And with how strong that defensive line is, you know, they can't rely on the running backs as much. Aller kind of has to go win the game. So that that's the game I think uh, I'm a little more concerned than Iowa. Iowa being the wideout and uh Jared, we were talking about this the other day. They just lost on their defensive tackles. So I think you could run on them a little more, especially with their top two linebackers from last year gone. So I think Illinois is honestly number three behind Ohio State and Michigan for in terms of concern amongst most of the fans. I'm with their – oh, sorry. Uh, my no, personal ahead. pick My personal pick to win the West this year is Illinois. So I'm with you there. I think Illinois is going to be a tough team to knock out. And there's an elephant in the room that, you know, I don't think either of us have touched yet. It's, you know, is, is this, do you guys feel um, based on how Penn state ended the year last year uh, with winning the Rose bowl? um, Do you feel that James Franklin has beaten the frames Janklin allegations, or do you think there's still more mountain to climb on that? I mean, I, I think he's gotten past the point where I don't know if he's going to lose the dumb game as much anymore. I, I know that was kind of a yearly occurrence for a while. Uh, I, I think the way they ended last year kind of showed me that they're past that point maybe. I think getting blown out by Michigan, honestly, they grew up a lot. Uh, I know they lost to Ohio State by, what, 13? That game was a lot closer, I think, than 13 for the majority of it. Uh, you know, they got – thrashed by Michigan in the run game. And then the rest of the season, they came back, only allowed 2.6 yards per carry, uh, 90 yards a game. So they, they, I think they figured something out after they got embarrassed. And, you know, if the third string uh, right tackle wasn't going up against JTT, uh, you know, maybe people look at it in a little different light at the end of the season. So I, I think they did kind of grow up a little bit and it's just kind of getting after Ohio State and Michigan now. I, I think they've done a pretty good job of separating themselves from the rest of the pack. All right, T-Soul, your thoughts on James Franklin real quick? Um, I think James Franklin's done a great job at Penn State. He's he's kept them pretty level as, you know, far as recruiting at the elite tier. And, you know, they don't really drop bad losses during the season. So that's something to respect out of a coach. So I think he's, he's doing his thing and eventually it will be his time at Penn state to, you know, run the big 10. All right. Hey, Alec, let us know where we can find the booze bets and ball podcast real fast. And then we'll head on over to Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, three B pod PSU. And uh, you could just type in booze bets and ball on most podcast platforms. It'll come up. If you're looking for us on YouTube, that is under Whitaker Media because uh, I do other stuff on there. So that's where you can find it on YouTube. 
Love it. All right. We're going to say goodbye to these three here. Thanks for coming in. And we are going to say hello to our Rutgers team. We have Ashley coming back with Alec, and they are going to talk through a little bit of Rutgers ball coming in. And Adam, I apologize. Adam is going to be coming in as well. Adam, can you tell us where we can find the What's Choppin' podcast? Or no, not Adam. I'm sorry. Alec. Alec, can you tell us? I apologize. Alec, can you tell us where we can find the What's Choppin' podcast? Yeah, so uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at What's Choppin' Pod, and then What's Choppin' Podcast on YouTube and pretty much every other uh, podcast platform. So, yeah, that's where you can find us. Excellent. Can you give us our or, uh, your prediction for the season, Alec? Yeah, so I got Rutgers going 6-6 six and six on the year and making that bowl game that so many fans have been clamoring for ever since Greg Schiano returned. And especially this year, it feels like there's a little bit more heat than usual. I think they get to that six-win mark. All right, very cool. Uh, Adam, you and Ashley have them at what? I think it says 3-9. and nine. Can you give us a little bit of your reasoning there, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the thing for me about Rutgers this year um, just some just some big stats to just put out there. They're returning 73% of their production, and that wasn't a very productive production from last year. So that's the number one thing that scares me. Number two thing that scares me is the quarterback situation. I mean, you have Gavin Wimsett in there, who, if you look at last year's stats in, in eight games, um, threw for about 750 yards, but more importantly, the five touchdown, seven interception ratio um, is super concerning. So without you know some of that elite production, and without really a quarterback that has shown that he can be successful at the big level, I don't love Ruck- Rutgers' schedule. Um, I'll let Ashley kind of talk about the Rutgers-Northwestern game at the beginning of the season. But, you know, you're looking down this Big Ten schedule, especially at the second half of the season. And Indiana is the only really lock of a win I see. Um, and lock might be a stretch. Um, I, I don't like Rutgers matching up against teams like Wisconsin and Penn State or Iowa. Um, and Maryland, I think is going to be really tough this year. And they also play Ohio state. So I think it's going to be a tough second half of the season. Um, and I don't love pieces on this Rutgers team right now. All right, Ashley, can you talk a little bit about that Northwestern and Rutgers matchup to start the year? Yeah, absolutely. So I think looking at Rutgers schedule, I agree with Adam, the second half is definitely going to be tough. And I know Northwestern is definitely in a little bit of a rough position right now. And they had kind of an off season with a lot of turmoil, but I think Northwestern is a team that doesn't really have expectations set in place for it right now. Cause it's just so there's, it's just a little bit in shambles. And if you don't have expectations for a team, you might as well be optimistic about it. And I think Northwestern's got some good transfers coming in. I think we have enough, or I think we're going to have enough players on the team that can really drive a win against Rutgers. Like, I think that's going to be our first big win. I think we're going to win the first game of the season. I think it's going to be really good momentum for us. I think I have faith in David Braun. I have faith in our new coaching staff because we're kind of starting anew. We're kind of starting fresh. Um, so I think after this off season, I think a leaders are going to step up. I think our quarterback or our new transfer quarterback, Ben Bryant, I have a lot of faith in him. Um, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but I do have a lot of hope. And then as far as Rutgers schedule goes, I mean, looking a little bit more at the non-conference schedule, they're playing teams like Virginia Tech, they're playing teams like, um, they're playing Virginia Tech, they're playing Temple. I think those are both games that they could lose. Um, 
unlike Northwestern's non-conference schedule, which is a little bit easier, thankfully for us this year, I think they have a pretty hard non-conference schedule. So that's another reason why we put them at three and nine. And looking at the statistics in the Big Ten, they've only had 14 wins since joining and three seasons, they've gone completely winless against Big Ten teams. So I think those stats, looking at those, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Rutgers team going forward. Well, Alec, you have three more wins for them. So go ahead and let the Northwestern fans and the rest of us know why they're wrong and why six wins are coming to the Scarlet Knights this season. Yeah, now kind of based on some of the Rutgers fan base, it seems like six wins is a little bit optimistic, but I do think there's a path to it. Uh, I, you know, you guys say that Northwestern is going to take that opening game. Obviously, I'm going to go with Rutgers taking that opening game over Northwestern. Uh, I think you know, with the newcomers on offense, I think they're going to do just enough. And the defense, you know, is go- I think is going to take a step forward, uh, especially, you know, that defensive line is definitely, I would say, one of the better units in the conference. And like you said, you know, Gavin Wimsett didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence with his play last year, but there was definitely a lot around him that went wrong as well. The offensive coordinator Sean Gleason was fired midway through the season and they had an interim who, you know, is no longer on the staff. So, I guess that can that can tell you as much, but uh, yeah, I think there's definitely more winnable games. Like I said, Northwestern, I think they beat Temple this year more convincingly than they did last year. Last year it was not a pretty performance. They only won by I think it was like 17 to 14 or something like that. Um, and then I do think that Rutgers has the advantage over Virginia Tech. You know, they're in kind of a rebuild after you know Justin Fuente kind of struggled there down the stretch in his tenure. I think Rutgers wins that game. It's a home game. 3.30 kickoff. There's going to be a lot of momentum, especially if they beat Temple. Uh, Michigan going to the big house, uh, they're, they're not going to be Michigan, but they have made it close the last three years now. You know, they had that triple overtime thriller in the COVID season 2021. They went up to the big house and actually almost pulled it out. They led at halftime last year and ultimately things fell apart in the third quarter. But yeah, they're not going to win that game. I also agree that Wisconsin is probably going to win pretty handily. Uh, you do say that Indiana is one of the best, one of the locks you said. I agree with that. I think they'll beat Indiana pretty handily again. Uh, I see, I see Michigan State as another winnable game as well. Uh, they looked really good last year against Michigan State. It was the defense that ended up letting the team down, which did not happen very often last season. And, you know, you add in Wagner, who, I mean, if they beat Wagner by less than 45, it's considered a disappointment. I think that's a good path to six wins. And I think Gavin Wimsett's going to be improved. He has the new offensive coordinator, uh, Kirk Chiraka, who they got from Minnesota. And he's going to simplify the offense and cater it to his strengths. Uh, And it's also going to be a lot of running the football. And I think Rutgers has a really deep running back room. So they're going to rely on running the ball and making Gavin Wimsett make the easy plays. Uh, And that's something that we saw a lot of, a lot of RPO ball, like we saw from Minnesota the last few years. So I definitely think there's a path with a lot of, what we call, you know, Shiano's expertise, you know, defense and running the football. I think there's a path to six wins for Rutgers here, and I think they make it. For sure. I think that sounds like some good old school Big Ten ball there with run the ball, strong defense. Let's go. You know, I think Max Melton and uh, Aaron Lewis are two stars on the defense as well that can really, really turn a lot of heads this year. So, all right. Well, hey, Alec, thanks for coming in. We're going to move on to our Northwestern predictions. So we're going to keep Ashley and Adam here with us and we're going to bring in Jason Robinson from Victor's Nation. Uh, the Michigan podcast, which uh, I'm sure they are just loving the offseason right now. But we're going to talk more Northwestern than we will Michigan right now. So, Ashley, go ahead and let us know where we can find the Wild Chat podcast. Yeah, of course. So the Wild Chat podcast is a podcast about Northwestern sports by Northwestern students. 
We are on mostly on Twitter at the wild chat. We just released our first episode. So you can find the link to that in our Twitter page and it's on YouTube at the wild chat or the channel is the wild chat podcast. All of our info is also up on the big banter website, bigbantersports.com. So if you're looking for information, you can find it all there as well. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. So we'll let Adam start with the prediction for the season for the Wildcats. Adam, how many wins and losses do you see the Wildcats having this season? So we have the Northwestern Wildcats at four wins, eight losses. It might be a little bit high for most people, but I really think that Northwestern is going to fall somewhere between one win and somewhere between four wins. And it's going to be somewhere in between that. So let's take the high end and let's go with it. Um, I think week one against Rutgers, that's, that has to be a win. Um, I think that's definitely a winnable game on the schedule. And I think with that momentum, uh, they go into week two playing UTEP, and I think they win that game. Uh, the non-conference schedule is where I think Northwestern's going to get some wins because it's going to be where they're going to have to get some wins, especially um, against Big Ten competition where I think that they're going to struggle against. I, I don't think Duke is, is a win in week three. Um, but you look later in the schedule, and there's a game against Howard, FCS school. Northwestern did lose to SIU last year. So at this point, anything is possible. But I think that they get the job done against Howard. So that's that's three wins there. And, you know, late in the year, in the Big Ten, games get cold. Um, you know, you're, you have to win with good defense, um, and you have to win with running the football. And that's just kind of what the Big Ten comes down to year after year. And I think that Northwestern can steal a win away from someone they probably shouldn't. Um, They play Nebraska late in the year. They play Purdue late in the year. They play Illinois late in the year. Um, You know, those are games where potentially they can get a win um, and and beat someone they probably shouldn't. Realistically, personally, I probably have Northwestern closer to three wins. But you know what? Let's make the argument. I think that they steal a win from someone they shouldn't. They get to four wins. All right, Jason, are you at the uh, three to four win mark for the Wildcats or where are you at? Um, I am at two to ten. So two. So for a record, two and ten this year. And um, the reason I pick that. So um, like Adam was saying as well. Like I still think if this is a team for Northwestern that could, you know, always come out of nowhere and surprise any surprise the Big Ten in some games. Um, so maybe it's going to be more than two, two wins this year, but I do have them at two and 10. I think just with everything going on involving the, the allegations of, of a hazing within the program, um, and, uh, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald's firing. Um, I, I think there's going, it's like it's going to negatively impact their, their program a little bit and culture this, this specific season. Um, but we'll see, like, I, like Adam was saying, I still think this is a team that maybe could get more wins and maybe they do get past the hump of four wins even as, as well too. Um, going to be rooting for AJ Henning, though, transfer from Michigan. That's a wildcat now. So we'll be cheering for him. For sure. For sure. Ashley, you think, uh, two wins is more likely, or you think the three and four wins are more likely? I'm definitely in the more optimistic 3-4 win camp. Um, I think that last year we came off of a season where we lost a lot of games that we in theory should have won, and that wasn't super good. And then the offseason happened, allegations, huge coaching staff turnover. I mean, that really wasn't what we needed going into this season, but it happened. We have to work with it. We have new coaching staff. We have new transfers. We have new players coming in. We have players stepping up, leading the team that were on the team last year still. I think there's enough turnover that something crazy could happen and those wins could come out of nowhere. 
I wouldn't say my expectations are super high considering everything that's happened, but I agree with Adam. I think we could pull off that win against Rutgers. I think we could pull off that win against UTEP. I think maybe a win against Purdue or Nebraska later in the season. Like, I think we could pull out those wins. Um, you know, we would have to perform really well. We would have to defy expectations a little bit, but considering that, you know, it's hard to have expectations for this team, you might as well be a little bit optimistic about it. And I do see those wins coming. Um, I think our quarter, our transfer quarterback, I have a lot of faith in what he might be able to produce. I mean, AJ Henning, one of the best transfers that we have. I mean, he looked amazing. I think he could do really well for our team as well. I think there's a lot of potential and I don't think we'll really know how it plays out until the season starts, until we get on the field, until we see David Braun calling those defensive plays, being the new head coach, how Ben Bryant throws. You know, we're not going to know until the season starts. So I think it's hard to predict now, but I do have optim- I am optimistic. I do think we can pull out those wins, but more of a wait and see game as the season starts. We'll see how well that actually plays out. But crossing my fingers. For sure. It's going to be, it's going to be most... very interesting watching Northwestern. Oh, sorry, Adam, go ahead real fast. No, no, you're, you're good. I was just trying to sneak something in at the end of there, but I think the most interesting thing is like, there are no expectations for this team, right? The, the, the kind of the narrative right now is right. fired the head coach. Um, you've lost, you know, probably the four best players on the team last year, right? Evan Hall, Peter Skaronsky, Ken Mitchell, um, and Adabare, right? Those are those those were the four most productive players on the team last year. They're all gone to the NFL, so this is a clean slate. This is this is a team that's kind of has their backs against the wall. Um, a team that you know, interim head coach, new transfers. You mentioned AJ Henning earlier. I also really like Cam Johnson, um, Arizona State transfer um, at wide receiver um, a lot, and then obviously Ben Bryant too on offense. Um, but this is a team that's kind of has their backs against the wall, right? There's no expectations, and at the end of the day, it's how well do they click together, right? Do they kind of respond to these allegations, respond to everything that's gone on in the locker room and over the course of the offseason and kind of, you know, beat it and be like, this is what Northwestern football is about? Or do they let, you know, those allegations and everything that's gone on define this team? So I think that's really what comes down to, do they win one game or four games? It's how well do they band together um, in the locker room? And I think a situation like this allows for a team to get really close together and be like, let's fight it. And let's show the, let's show the national media what we've got. For sure. And some of that persistence is what we just love about college sports so much as student athletes really just fighting through some of the, those things and persevering. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, hey, we're going to move on from Northwestern here. Thanks so much, Adam and Ashley, for coming in. Jason's going to stick with us and we are going to bring in a Michigan State Spartan dog back in here again. All right. I feel like there's going to be a lot of shots fired here with Michigan and Michigan State together, but I'm here for it. Go ahead and, and uh, plug the Victors Nations for us real fast, Jason. So we have a, you can find us on Facebook, um, just, just under 14,000 members right now. You can find us on Twitter as well. Um, we have our own YouTube channel at the Victor's Nation podcast. Um, and then soon to come, we're going to be going to Apple Pods and Spotify as well too. Um, but that's where you can find us, majority on Facebook. And we also have our own website, thevictorsnation.com, where we share articles from um, Blue by 90, um, Maze and Brew, um, and Wolverines, and the Wolverines Wire as well. So you can For also sure, find us there of, with a community forum. 
For sure. A lot of good content out there. We appreciate mm-hmm. you being part of Big Ten Banter to help with that as well. Jason, go ahead and let us know. What's the prediction this season for, for the Michigan fans? What are you guys thinking? Man, undefeated season. So <laughs> we have a championship or bust mentality this year more, more than ever. I know we've had it years years prior, but this is more than ever with this mentality and this culture of this team. Um, we have a lot of returning stars. Um, I like what we did in the transfer portal as, as well, too, getting A.J. Barner, Drake Nugent, Ladarius Henderson, Stewart, and Husman. Um, I'm predicting a three-peat. Just to swing over to offensive line, I'm thinking a three-peat for Joe Moore Award regarding our our, our deep semi-pro offensive line, um, which is 10 deep. I, I think we got 10 deep guys on that on that front. Um, and behind that, we have Corum. We have Edwards. I mean, Big Ten proved that you can stop the running game, right? I mean, we've been solid at that the last few years with them, too. And we're looking to pass a lot more of this, too. Um, I know we haven't seen it in recent years, but I expect J.J. to also utilize his legs a lot more, too. Um, he's our full off-season starter, which we've been excited about all year and the progression that he's made. Um, and he's also got some solid targets at wide receivers. So he's got Cornelius Johnson coming back, Roman Wilson. Um, also to watch out for that they're not being talked about enough, um, I think, outside of Michigan is um, Clemens and Tyler Morris as well. Um, and we also have a solid sophomore tight end in Colston Loveland. But J.J., Corum, Edwards, three early Heisman candidates. That's just the offense or defensive front, which um, everything coming out of camp right now, they're the real deal. They've been very competitive with our offensive line. Chris Jenkins is coming back, who led that defensive line in tackles. We have a very, very deep linebacker room as well, too, including um, Junior Colson. Um, We also got Mike Sanistrell coming back and Will Johnson, who I thought played absolutely spectacular during his freshman tour. Um, And and we're going to have some other guys step up in that secondary as well, too. So, um, you know, we can get into the Jim Harborough suspension as well, too, but I think that's going to light a fire under us. I know players aren't happy about that. Um, The coaching staff, we have the recipe to develop. We have the culture now, and we have a lot of key and elite players on both sides of the ball to make around this season. All right, Spartan Dog, I can see the fire uh, brewing inside of you, too. Uh, you had to listen to all of that. What do you think the prediction is more likely for with Michigan this season? Uh, I know I sent in a different prediction to Brandt. I've, I've revised it in the last couple of days. I had Michigan going 10-2. and two. Um, Look, I, here, I mean, here's, here's what I have to say about the Harbaugh suspension, right? Okay, the NCAA clearly wants to hammer him. Okay, they they didn't want the four games. They they they're going for blood, right? So this self-imposed three game, uh, Jr. What's the what's the language rating on this on this here? I forgot to ask last time. Um, you, you just be you, Spartan dog. All right. Frankly, I think the three game uh the three game self-imposed suspension is bullshit. I just I don't think how it's I don't know how it's going to help. Um, how it's going to help the NCAA go any less on on Harbaugh at the start of next season, unless Harbaugh plans on not being there next season and they can go, look, we punished him. Don't punish the program, which could be likely. I don't know. Uh, but I'm a big believer um, in the Tom Izzo ism, fat and sassy. 
Um, you know, Michigan's had a lot to prove the last couple of years. They had to prove they could beat Ohio State, had to prove they could win the Big Ten. They proved it. Now they're coming in. And from the outside looking in, there's a lot of our shit don't stink uh, from the top down. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see them beating Ohio State three years in a row. I, I'm really high on Penn State this season. You have to go to State College. That's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be at night. It's, you know, I don't see, I don't see the path to a three-peat. I don't. I think the competition, I think the competition at the top is the best it's ever been. It's a three-horse race instead of a two-horse race. You know, someone's getting sent to the glue factory. All right. All right. Uh, real fast, Jason, you have anything to uh, to let us know uh, before we end the Michigan predictions here? So that Penn State game, that's not a night game. That's 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. So that ain't going to be a night game. They can do all the whiteout that they want. We've already beat them there before during the day, and we're going to do it again. And I, uh, oh, go ahead. I don't see Ohio State matching up with us against with they don't even know who their quarterback is, and they got to come into Ann Arbor again to prove that they can stop that running game. And we're going to be passing the ball a lot more this year, too. There is really, and I, and I agree, like Penn State, that could be a that's definitely a game. And we also have in our last pod, we also have a bunch of trap games in between that, too. So we got Michigan State, then we got Purdue, and then we got Penn State, then we got Maryland, then we got Ohio State right after that. So there is two trap games in between the last five games of the season that are going to be very, very competitive. So anything could happen. So I agree. Like, something crazy could happen. I don't think we're losing to Penn State, though. And I don't think we're definitely – we definitely are not losing to Ohio State this year coming to the big house. They have no idea who their quarterback is right now. They're going to have to face all that pressure, and we're going to let them have it. I just don't see it happening. Just because but they don't know now doesn't mean they won't football. know in November. I just don't, you know, again. This yeah, is... yeah, yeah. Anything, could, anything could happen. I agree. I know we're beating Michigan State this year. I don't think you guys are going to be burning any coverage. You probably are. You just probably are. Happen. I just, I, <laughs> listen, I, you probably are. I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah. Peace on earth when we have we a Michigan see. and Michigan it's State a It's a rivalry here. What do you say again, Jason? It's a rivalry game. Crazier things have happened, and games have been close sometimes, too, between Michigan and Michigan State. So we'll see. We will see. It's always a rivalry. You never know what can happen. Yeah. Uh, that's why we love college football. That's why we love our rivalries. So, hey, Jason, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yep. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. See ya. We are going to have Jason exit. Spartan Dogs going to stick with us as we get into the Michigan State predictions. And Connor Berry from the Iowa podcast. I think Inside the Nest is what it's called, but we'll get to yeah. more of that here soon. Go ahead and plug your podcast for us for Michigan State, Spartan Dog. Yeah, first things first, Connor, the flow's insane. I love everything about it. Love the general vibe you're giving off. We're going to have fun on this segment. Uh, you can find Bacon Wire and MSU Sports Podcast on Twitter at Bacon Wire. Uh, we're on all available podcast platforms, uh, Bacon Wire and MSU Sports Podcast. You can find me at Spartan Dog 97. Uh, my co hosts, Lucas and Carter. Uh, we podcast now that we're in season every, every week now. We'll be posted every Monday. And yeah, we cover both MSU football and basketball. Um, going to be a fun basketball season. Football, I don't think it's going to be that fun. So. Well, go ahead and get into your prediction. Maybe it won't be as fun, but uh, be optimistic for us here, Spartan Dog. Where do you see Michigan State going this season? Uh, I have MSU going 7-5 and five this year. Um, 
my my motto for this year, um, my personal motto for the team this year is is find a level, right? Mel Tucker's got to be able to find a suitable a suitable uh, a suitable basement for this program because five and seven is not it with the investments we're putting in. I there's a quarterback battle going on right now. Um, I posted a blog on big banter about how I want that quarterback battle to shake out. And I am a big believer that six and six with Kaiten Hauser is better than seven and five with Noah Kim. So if they start Noah Kim and go seven and five, I want coordinator changes. Um, you know, ultimately I think this comes down to, uh, the team is the team's a bit deeper. I think last year happened mostly because D'Antonio quit recruiting after 2016. He just gave up. Uh, anyone who played college football in Ohio had a PWO for Michigan State. Uh, so I just think I just think now that the team's a little deeper, he's starting to fill out the high school recruits. He's not so much relying on the portal, except for you know, plugging some plugging some gaping holes. I think seven and five, I think is probably where the team's going to shake out. And, uh, you know, I'm looking for competitiveness against the top three teams in the Big Ten East. Gotcha. All right. Well, Connor, what do you think? You think the uh, Spartans will go bowling this year? Personally, I, I don't. Um, I, I'm not here to hate or cause any issues. Uh, I, I think it's just more or less going to go pretty, uh, pretty similar to last year. Uh, if I, if correct me if I'm wrong, they went five and seven. Um, I don't think losing your quarterback and, and losing uh, your top wide receiver is really a good thing ever. I understand the portal helped and screwed a lot of people throughout this process, so it can go either way. But I think that Michigan State, uh, not not comparable to Iowa, has a pretty difficult Big Ten schedule. I mean, they got to play teams like Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, I even think Minnesota is a tough game. So, you know, that's just where I'm at. I think, uh, you know, seven and five, five and seven. I just think I, we, we're probably, uh, you know, we teeter-totter on a couple of those games there. So that fifth game of the year at Iowa, that's uh, that's not an easy game either. How do you see that one shaping out there, Connor? Uh, you know, I have to lean toward my bias. I'm here. Uh, I think that uh, I think that we're going to win that game. Um, like he was saying, there's a quarterback battle, and the last thing you want to do is is go into Kinnick Stadium against that defense with any type of uh, question marks. And obviously, that's a later week in the year. I'm sure they'll have some stuff figured out, but I just don't see uh, you know them coming in and uh, shaking anything up on that defense. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean Kinnick's Kinnick's gonna Kinnick's a nightmare. Um, Kinnick's a nightmare for, for great teams, for elite teams, even when Iowa is not, um, as good as I think they will be this year. I have them losing that game too. The time hasn't been announced. I'm scared to death. It's going to be a night game. It, you know, I just, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, um, my bio is MSU football's Frank the Tank for a reason. I am just very, very pessimistic and blackpilled about MSU this year. I know that's not kind of what everyone's kind of looking for out of the Michigan state representative, but I'm just so like the, this past season and this off season have just like burnt me. have just burnt me out to my core. And I spend all my free time watching Cohen car dunk and watching Carson Cooper flex his new biceps. I mean, I'm like, I'm looking up flights to Phoenix, whatever happens this season happens, but 
Uh, I'll be in Phoenix in April. That's all I, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Mel Tucker on the hot seat there, Spartan Dog? Well, here's the thing. If he doesn't make a bowl game this year and doesn't make any changes, yeah, he's on the hot seat. But, you know, Connor brought up five and seven, and he sees it going a similar way. Look, five and seven happened because they're because of a rash of injuries, especially on the defense. I mean, we had walk-ons playing at one point, and we had a rotation. We only had three d- defensive tackles available. So, you know, that there was just like a perfect storm of D'Antonio not leaving any depth behind. Uh, Tucker not being able to fill enough gaps with his first recruiting class due to due to COVID restrictions, and it just kind of shook out that way. I think seven and five is probably the program's basement going forward, um, but I I do think there needs to be um, there needs to be investment um, from not only um, from not only Tucker and you know showing that he's committed to kind of making 11 and two more common than five and seven, but there also needs to be communication from Michigan state's boosters. He was talking with one of our beat writers and, and he's right. Michigan state's, you know, Michigan state has a great NIL program for using as intended. The problem is they don't have a good NIL program using, using it in practice, how it's actually used. And there's a lot of like, not the billionaires, but you know, the, the ambulance chasers, the doctors, right? Those guys who were scared off last season, um, scared money don't fucking make money. So, you know, these guys need to step up. They, they need to give it, they need to give to this collective and they need to build the war chest to go out and get these recruits. So, you know, fans aren't sitting there, watch David Stone putting on an Oklahoma hat. Yep, that would be uh, quite infuriating. I heard those comments as well. And, uh, you know, it's never never good to hear about the NIL that's going on in your school if it's not going well. Fun to hear about if it's going really well, but not not fun to hear about if it's not going well. So let's move on over to our Iowa predictions. We're going to keep Spartan Dog and Connor here with us. We're going to bring on our rep from the Ski U podcast who talks about all things Minnesota there. Spencer, Spencer, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to see you, fellas. All right, thanks for coming in. Let's start with Connor plugging the Inside the Nest podcast. Connor, where can we find the Inside the Nest podcast? Yeah, so right now we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we are uh, Inside the Nest Zero. Um, somehow Inside the Nest was already taken. Couldn't find who even, by the way, but it was taken. Um, on Instagram, it's Inside the Nest Pod. And we are only currently on uh, YouTube and Spotify. We're working towards the rest of that, so... It's all inside the nest there as well. Love it. Love it. All right, Connor, start us off. What is your prediction for Iowa football this season? Hey, man, I think, uh, you know, we've been uh, we've been dealing with a lot this offseason. A lot of people have been saying a lot of uh, negative things, as they rightfully should. Um, our offense was just unbearable to watch last year. And so uh, what do you do? You got to go make some adjustments. And, you know, we brought in a new athletic director, who is still rolling with the idea that we have to hold Brian accountable for 25 points a game. I know that's not even asking for a crazy amount in college football, but here's the deal. He couldn't even muster up 14 and that's sad. So uh, there's a lot of optimism here in the fact that we did go and get the guys we needed uh, as far as the offensive line and quarterback and, you know, skill positions. Um there wasn't a whole lot of uh, to work with last year to make me believe, you know, this isn't a step up. I think Cade McNamara is a, a proven quarterback. 
uh, you know, we bring in another tight end to tight end university and that that's, that's just a recipe for success. You know, you bring in a top recruit from Ohio state as well on offense. And this is something that we've never seen. So I personally have us with our defense, you know, making a huge run. A lot of people have us underrated and I totally get why I'm not here to, you know, change anyone's minds or anything, but this is what I'm, this is my belief. You know, I, I read a lot of the reports and I'm reading about how our offensive line stepped up. So there's a lot of optimism from my end this year, barring, you know, some injuries right now. Cade McNamara is actually technically hurt. He hasn't been practicing at full force. So that, uh, that doesn't help, but I do believe he'll be back. If not week one, definitely week two. So, so a uh, big 10 championship bound is what you're saying. I think there's no doubt. Uh, we have easily the easiest schedule in the big 10. Um, I think that, I mean, by luck there, uh, we just have an easy schedule. There's not much to say. I mean, we could lose a lot of those games. I think a lot of them are going to be painfully close, but yeah, I just, uh, I think we'll be on the, the W side of this. All right. Well, Spencer, I see you shaking your head like you're in agreement there. Uh, what What's your prediction for Iowa this season? I totally agree with Connor. I think that they're an 11 and one football team. Um like Connor was saying, their schedule is looking pretty good. Anytime you don't have Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule, especially if you're in the West, you know, that's an opportunity to capture a West title. Um, and that's kind of what what they have. Um, you look at the rest of their schedule. I think their biggest competition out of the West is Illinois, and they fortunately have that game at home. Um, Minnesota, um, and we'll talk about Minnesota a little later. Uh, we're at Kinnick this year. Haven't won in Kinnick since 1999. I was just a little boy um, and haven't in general beaten the Hawkeyes since 2014. Um, and so I can't believe the Gophers will beat them until I see it. Um, and I think outside of that, their hardest game is at Penn State. I over I heard um, you all talking about that um, in the previous segment. Um you know, going to Penn State is tough, but in recent years, it seems that Iowa's also had their number. Um, I do think that they may give up that one because it is on the road. Um, but I, I think that Connor is exactly right. I think the West is theirs to take. They're well coached. They just need competent quarterback play, I think. And I think out of Cade McNamara, they'll... Um, defensively, I don't think they get enough credit, truly. and it pains me to say all these glowing things about the Iowa Hawkeyes being that we're arch nemesis, but I love um, it. But yeah, but, but truly their defense, like last year, what was it? I think like 10 of their games, you know, were like under 13, their opponents, they held them under 13 points or something like that. Um, it's just incredible what you see. And, and they're just going to reload at that position or on, on that side of the ball. So, I agree 100% with Connor. Phil Parker has a has a good argument for best DC in the uh, in the conference, that's for sure. Uh, Spartan Dog, we're giving a lot of love to Iowa right now. Are you uh, on the same ship giving love to Iowa? Uh, I have Iowa going 7-5. and five. Um, You know, I just um, – I don't know how you can – I don't know how you can repeat last year. You know, there's a lot of – there's a lot of – there's a lot of storm clouds hanging over the program with this gambling thing that's going on. Um, you know, and listen, anyone who's been in anyone who's been in a relationship knows the best thing for it is an ultimatum. So 
you know, I just don't know how how this points per game thing is gonna can can possibly lead to positive results. I, you know, they have to they have to go two aims for El Asico. Um It's just I don't see a path for um, for Iowa to get to Indianapolis this season, especially with you know other teams in the West kind of kind of being ascendant. You know, I think. I think the days of everyone penciling in Iowa as the West champion, I think, is over. And and yeah, does ever start? I, I miss those days, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know. I just think, I just think Iowa's kind of, kind of in a, kind of in a tough spot right now. And you know, I think this is kind of uh, this season might go, might get off the rails a lot quicker than people think. Well, I, I'll tell you, I am here for the uh, metaphor of the Iowa AD and Brian Ferentz in this kind of toxic ultimatum relationship where they're uh, giving each other these ultimatums. I, I'm here for that, so I'm uh, going to start using that this season. <laughs> hey, real man, if, if we can't get that kind of production, if the worst thing that comes to that is getting rid of Brian Ferentz, then uh, trust me, man, I, I'm not I'm not upset about that, you know, so... It's funny when you have probably the best DC in the conference on the right side and then probably the worst OC in the conference on the other side. (laughs) Unbelievable, (laughs) man. Big difference on each side. Well, hey, let's move on to our our, uh, Minnesota predictions here. We are going to keep everybody around, and we're going to go ahead and hear a plug for the Ski U podcast. Spencer, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so Skyu Pod, we're pretty much anywhere that you can see, um, have podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, you name it. Uh, we just started with YouTube with our last episode. That's again Skyu Pod. We're in the works of making um, accounts on TikTok, Instagram, and I believe Facebook as well. So stay tuned for that. But otherwise, we, you know, during the season, we'll have an episode weekly, usually Tuesdays or Wednesdays. We'll we'll air so. We're excited for this upcoming season. Cool, cool. All right, Scott, you, my bad. Sorry, mispronunciation there. Thank you for correcting that. Potato, potato. (laughs) Go ahead and let us know what your prediction is for this season, Spencer, for the Minnesota Gophers. You know, as our podcast was discussing in our last episode, I think that uh, the Gophers are going to go nine and three. And I think that's the ceiling for these, for these Gophers. Um, Going eight and four, seven and five, that's an understandable um, record as well, because as you all know, the Gophers have a pretty tough um, schedule this year. Um, But if you look at, you know, the talent that PJ has assembled, I think that the talent is there. And here in local media interviews that PJ has done here, um, he seems quietly confident in this team. I frankly believe that he believes that this is the most talented roster that he's assembled um, during his career here. Um, So that helps a lot. Um, We got some changes at offensive coordinators, and I'm excited for that because as a team that ground and pounds like 60% of the time, um, I'm excited to hopefully get the ball in the air this year. We have a lot of athletes, um, you know, out wide there. We have the return of Ottman Bell, who I feel has like been around for, the past decade um, he's coming back for, I think it's his sixth or seventh season, which is crazy. Um, Daniel Jackson. Uh, he's a really great guy. He's a really great player as well. 
Um, I think that he'll make a lot of noise this year. We've got some transfers, Corey Crooms and and uh, Elijah Spencer, um, who I think will also make make a great impact. Um, Sean Tyler, uh, I think he's an electrifying uh, running back on the offensive side of the ball. He's definitely not a Mo Ibrahim type back, but I think that he has more breakout speed than than Mo ever had. So I think that he can make some um, great plays um, defensively. I don't think that there's much to say. I think that Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator, has done a tremendous job over the past couple of years. One of the top defenses, um, usually in the Big Ten. Um, and I just think that um, he'll be able to assemble that again. Um, a little worried about D tackle. We're a little thin there and at, at the quarterback, excuse me, defensive back positions. Um, but I, I am confident with the vets that are there, they'll be able to make an impact and and hopefully get guys that can step up, you know, in the depth chart as well. So um, I do have a salute. We unfortunately we're on the other side, unlike the Iowa Hawkeyes. We do have Michigan and Ohio State this year on the slate. You know, fortunately, we have Michigan at home, but I don't think that makes that, that much of a difference. Um, and we're at the shoe. So I, I count those both as, as losses. Um, Iowa, again, I can't believe a win until I see it. So um, I, I have that going to Kinnick as as someone who's been there. I think it's the toughest and one of the toughest environments in the country, frankly, to, to play at in college football. Um, and then, you know, we have UNC on the road, North Carolina. Um, and they're great offensively. Drake May, who they have, is a tremendous quarterback, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. But I, I feel like their defense isn't really there. They're always going for so many points over there in the ACC. So I think that we'll be able to hopefully stifle them defensively, and um, hopefully offensively we can make some noise there as well. Um, I think that there's probably like a 40, 45 chance at going on the road and winning there, but the gopher in me just wants that upset. So I'm going to go for the gophers there. So, um, and I'll finish with this. If you look around the big 10 West, other than Illinois, Iowa, and, and Minnesota, you got brand new fresh faces at head coach cultures are changing. Offenses are changing. Defenses are changing. Um, I just think that if you're a tenured coach, if you're Ferens, Fleck, um, you know, Belima, you've been here in the Big Ten West, you know what it takes to win. I think that you have to win the games against um, those new head coaches. And sure, you can probably get a loss here and there, but I think as tenured coaches, you have to win those games. And I think that PJ will do just that. So I got nine and three. A lot of good analysis there. Thanks, Spencer. Spartan Dog, are uh, are you uh, on the same train with Spencer there thinking Minnesota's have, have a good season, or are you a little bit more down on them? Uh, I am not. Um, you know, I have I have Minnesota going five and seven. Um, I hope the Fleck Bank is insured by the uh by the NDIC. Uh, you know, just for, for everyone's sake. Uh look, th- I I think this is probably the best the Big Ten West has has been um, at the top since maybe the since maybe they got away from legends and leaders. Um, I think you know I'm going to Chapel Hill to play Drake May. I just don't see how that's a recipe for success. Um, ton of unknowns, like you said. You have the t- you probably you got the short end of the stick with the crossover. 
having to play both Michigan and Ohio State. Um, and, you know, I just don't see, I just don't see, um, I just don't see how a new quarterback trying to implement a new system, all these things translate to translate to a nine and three season, you know, unfortunately for you guys. Um, so that's kind of where I have them at. I have them at five and seven. Where are you at with them, Connor? Uh, you know, I think I had him at like six and six, but I think that's more or less due to my ignorance on the team. Um, you know, I didn't watch a lot of those new transfers that they got, and I did hear a lot of positive things about him, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, more or less because Iowa came after the same guys and didn't get him. So that's how I know there are guys that I, are going to be successful. But at the same time, I, I like we've mentioned, I think, you know, they did get a little bit screwed over by having to play Ohio State, especially on the road. Michigan at home, like you said, um, I mean, that helps a little bit, but that just is never going to be easy. Uh, Michigan, I think, is a team that just won't lose a game this year. So um, I, I can't remember who else I had them losing to. I think I did have them losing to North Carolina, but that again, I just don't know how uh, Minnesota's defense is. That's that's more or less my ignorance. Um, I, I just know that UNC is such a high-powered offense, and they're hard to keep up with. So I didn't see the same kind of uh, you know same kind of success from Minnesota the last year at least, but. We'll see this year. I know Athen Kalamanakis, correct me if I say his name wrong. I, I apologize. He's a guy that Iowa went after at quarterback, and we actually came after him for basketball too. So he's just a, an incredible athlete. So if he can if play the part in which he's supposed to, I think that they could surprise a lot of people. But I think more or less you kind of have them in the middle of the road, kind of top tier of the Big Ten West there, competing with Illinois, Iowa, and a little bit Wisconsin. We'll see how their coaching does. All right, great stuff from everybody here. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. We are going to have Spartan Dog and uh, Spencer head out of here, and we are going to talk some Wisconsin Badgers football. So we're going to keep Connor in, and we're going to bring T-Soul in to talk through some of that. And I know there's a lot of high expectations for Luke Fickle this year, and I think a lot of people are high on him. Are you guys as high on Luke Fickle as everybody else is? Uh, me personally, I am, I love Luke fickle hire because I look at it as two things. I think Nebraska grabbed the best coach on the market and Wisconsin grabbed the best coach who nobody knew was on the market. When you look at all the coaching hires that happened last season. So I'm all for it. He's proven to be a good coach. You know, he won a lot of games for Cincinnati and, you know, ultimately brought them to the playoff, which is incredible. So I think he can do good things at Wisconsin for them. Connor, are you in the same boat here? Uh, for Wisconsin, man, I, I mean, listen, I've watched Luke Fickle. I live in Ohio here, so uh, I hear about him from Cincinnati. I've heard about him even with his interim at Ohio State. And, you know, although he didn't do all that well at Ohio State that one year, he completely turned around Cincinnati. Uh, he made them a playoff team, so that more or less speaks volumes of what kind of coach he can be. Um, walking into a team with a little bit more talent, I think, yeah, man, they're a team to look out for. That's for sure. All right. Well, we were supposed to have one of our Wisconsin uh, representatives here uh, for the Badger notes after dark. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to be with us. So you get a Nebraska guy and an (laughs) Iowa guy, which I know they just know the Big Ten West so well, they'll have expertise (laughs) on Wisconsin. 
But I think I think both of you are pretty high on Wisconsin this year. Go ahead and start us off, T Soul. What what's your record prediction for Wisconsin this year? Uh, I believe at the Sully Scoop we agreed to have Wisconsin go eight and four this season. We thought that was being uh, pretty favorable for them because I mean the the predictions for the Big Ten West have been all over the board, and I've seen a lot of people saying Wisconsin at worst is going to be a one loss team, and I just don't see that happening. I don't think that they're just going to, you know, come out of the gates as a one loss team and run away with the West. I don't think anyone's going to run away with the West. So we just think that they will be eight and four. They'll be a really solid unit. They'll lose some games that they probably shouldn't. They'll win some games that maybe they shouldn't. And they will be just one of the, the top tier teams in the West this season. Very cool. Very cool. And Connor, uh, you uh, along the same lines as T soul here. What's your prediction? I think I had them winning a, like a nine, nine, ten games this year. Um, again, I, I agree that, you know, there's a lot that we don't know with them. There's a lot of changes. They bring in an offensive coordinator that is more or less like a West Coast offense guy to a team that does not fit that narrative whatsoever. There's going to be a little bit of uh, scuffles there, but. I mean, when you do have a guy like Braylon Allen, I think that you're 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 going to be destined to win football games. He's a he's a terror. Um, their defense is always pretty stout. Their offensive line is always solid. Um, I, I can't speak too much to how who their offensive line is going to be this year, but as a standard, I believe in them. Um, I, I think that they're going to drop a couple games. Uh, I think that they don't have an easy schedule. They have to play Ohio State. While there's some question marks with Ohio State, I think uh, there's just more with Wisconsin. And so that's why I just got to give them a couple losses there. Yeah, I, think it's an, <laughs> I think it's an interesting uh, dynamic between the two of having, you know, the really, really strong offensive coordinator and Phil Long. And then you have this strong defensive coordinator, Luke Fickle, who, yes, his defense was really good at Cincinnati, but he was also fantastic at Ohio State there for a while as a defensive coordinator. Like, Connor said, you know, the uh, the uh, head coaching job didn't work out so well when he filled in for a year. However, he's always been a strong defensive coach and, and looking out for that. Is he, T-Soul, is he kind of your favorite to possibly be uh, the coach of the year in this conference? They don't typically give it to, a, you know, a Ryan Day or a Jim Harbaugh or a James Franklin, kind of those guys. They kind of give it to some new coaches and uh, some of those who aren't as higher up. Is he kind of your favorite, T-Soul? Um, I don't know if he would be my favorite, but it wouldn't surprise me if he won coach of the year. Now, if he, if he goes out and wins 10 games, like Connor said, yeah, he's my coach of the year. I don't care what anyone else does in the conference. Cause that would be pretty incredible to do, to come into Wisconsin and do, but he's going to have a lot of competition because I mean, if you look at, uh, say Illinois, who, if they go out and win the West this season, I would look at Brett Bielema to be coach of the year. If, if Iowa runs away with the West, you know, you look at uh, their coach to be coach of the year. If, if all of a sudden Nebraska's turned around this year. So I just think it's a lot of what if, and, and that's the kind of game that we're playing with that one. For sure. A lot of those out in the Big Ten West kind of have that chance. Connor, you, your thoughts on a uh, big, big 10 coach of the year. If is it out West, is it more out East? What do you think? See, just because of the uncertainties out West, um, I, like, like everyone kind of, I think agrees, you know, new coaches and whatnot. I think that contrary to what you were saying before, I think we'll see a Ryan day or a Jim Harbaugh or a James Franklin get it. Personally, I think Michigan's going to go undefeated. I think they're the best team. So I think it's hard not to give it to them. I know that Harbaugh has got these suspensions going and that kind of scuffles it up a little bit too, but 
if they win, man, it's going to be hard not to give it to them, in my opinion, at least. I think that would be a Big Ten record. Uh, only have to coach nine games and you win Big Ten Coach of the Year. So I right. think that is a little one. bit uh, not fair, but shit, yeah. I think it, it's likely at the same time. Right, right. And he's he's doing some fun things over there, bringing his dad in to be an assistant head coach and letting his, all his other guys um, do that. So it should be fun over there to see see how that goes. Well, hey, Connor, you've been with us for a few segments. We appreciate it. We'll let you head out, and we'll talk some Nebraska football, some of the predictions there. We'll bring Brant in to, to talk with us about the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, I need to get your take on this, T-Soul. All right, I've heard a lot of hype for, for Jeff Sims, okay, and and there hasn't been a non-QB to win the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year since 2017 with Saquon Barkley. Or uh, Yeah, there's not been a non-QB. But can Jeff Sims be that next QB? Because I don't think we've seen one from Nebraska yet, at least recently. Can he be that one from Nebraska to kind of change things? What are your thoughts? Uh, Jeff Sims definitely has potential to do that. I mean, when you look at how skilled he is. He's one of those guys where he can outrun everyone on the defense when he takes off. When you look at like his film at Georgia Tech, and it's not like they were playing a bunch of nobodies, you know, they're playing in the ACC. So there's some pretty good teams out there. And he's got a nice deep ball. His question becomes, how accurate is he with the the mid the mid game? How accurate is he playing all day long? Because he's a big guy. He could He could take hits. I mean, he's he is way bigger than, you know, our star linebackers. So he's going to be a fun one to watch. And if he has a great season and Nebraska in general has a great season, he very well could be at least in the conversation for Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Wow. What are your thoughts, Brent? You think Jeff Sims has a ceiling like that? I do not. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think he's a talented quarterback. He's, I mean, he's he obviously has a lot more experience than a lot of the quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year. Uh, with all of his experience out of Georgia Tech. Uh, however, I mean, we've seen guys with talent come through Nebraska, like Taylor Martinez, Adrian Martinez. And, I mean, they're still not even winning six games. And if you are if you can't win six games, you're not going to be in the conversation uh, for such a prestigious award. Right, right. All right. Well, hey, uh, T-Soul, go ahead and give us the plug for the Sully Scoop podcast and then get into your prediction this year for Nebraska. Yeah, so the Sully Scoop podcast is uh, the Sully brothers, me and two of my brothers, and you know we just talk all things Nebraska football. And it, you know, if you Google the Sully Scoop, you'll find us on a bunch of things. But you know, we're on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, Podbean. So like anywhere you look for podcasts or listen to them, you'll definitely find us there. Love it, love it. All right, going to get into your prediction for the season for Nebraska. I believe the Sully Scoop this year. We agreed to go with eight and four, but you know, since I'm on there with both of my brothers, we're all over the board with our predictions. I think B-Sol picked them to lose two games. I picked them, I think, to go eight and four or nine and three. And J-Sol predicted them to go six and six. So we're kind of all over the board. We stuck them in the middle. We think that they're going to be a lot more competitive this year because Scott Frost was just a terrible coach and ultimately seemed to get out coached when, when it was winning time in the second half and the fourth quarter specifically. So when you look at Nebraska recruiting the last few years, they've recruited towards the top of the West, if not as the best team. And we haven't seen that on the field. So if you come in with a new coach, a new coach should be able to come in and win eight games right away in the West, especially looking at their schedule. Like 
their only really tough game is Michigan. And outside of that, I mean, it's just a bunch of question marks in the West is really what it comes down to. It's a lot of coin flip games. And can you finish off these teams that you should be beating? All right, Brant, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I just don't, I don't see Nebraska making a bowl game this year. Uh, I think four and eight, five and seven is way more likely than six and six or uh, beyond. I know eight and four, nine and three is kind of the range you were talking. Um, the West is a lot of question marks and a lot of coin flips uh, with, I guess, no team really being like the set and stone front runner. And people talk about Wisconsin, Iowa being like kind of the top tier, but the talent gap between those two and like the next few teams really on paper, it's more question marks than answers right now uh, for really everybody. But for Nebraska, I mean, you guys haven't won six games since 2016. Um, you've gone through uh, like a coach and a half since then. Now onto the new the new era with Matt Rule. Uh, for me, I think Matt Rule is gonna. He's a great college coach. He's proven that um, at different many different levels. I think he's going to be the guy to get Nebraska back to to relevance and back into bowl games and and beyond. Um, I mean, not winning West titles because that's not a thing anymore, but maybe like competing at the top of the Big Ten. But I don't think it happens this year. There's still too many holes in the roster. But give him a year or two, and I think he can really build Nebraska back into something relevant. That's my thing with with Nebraska this season is that, like Tisol said, they they have recruited pretty well. And in the past, it has taken at least a season for Matt Rule to really get his teams together. But both of those teams, Temple and Baylor, after Baylor was coming off their terrible stuff, I thought to myself, man, there is something here where if Matt Rule can just get the talent and get the culture and with the transfer portal as well, I got to say, I'm a little bit more on T-Soul's side. I could see an eight and four season. Heck, I think their ceiling is 10 and two. I'm not saying that they're going to go 10 and two, but you know, last year I thought Purdue was going to win win the West just because they didn't play Ohio State and Michigan. And this year I look at Nebraska; they only play Michigan. They don't have Penn State. They don't have Ohio State. And so you look at the way the schedule plays out and everything; it's kind of a kind kind of a good season for them. So Nebraska and Iowa have always kind of been my picks for the Big Ten West. And, and we'll see that last game of the season. I really feel like that last game of the season with Iowa that could be the deciding game the Big Ten West. What do you think about that, T-Soul? Am I too high on the Cornhuskers? I don't think you're too high, but it's kind of like, I think after the first two games of the season, we'll kind of know if Nebraska really is competing for the West or if they're just competing to make a bowl game. Because if they come out week, you know, week zero or week one or whatever early and beat Minnesota, then yeah, they're probably competing for the West. If they play a respectable game with Minnesota and lose, you know, they're probably going to be more in that five to seven to seven and five type of range. And, you know, if they lose to Colorado, I mean, we're talking about probably just looking forward to the end of the season and seeing what they bring next year, because Colorado is a team that you really have to wipe the floor with. Right. Yeah. And that'll be that'll be huge if if Colorado is somehow able to pull out a win there and even against TCU or they just split those two games beating TCU and then uh, losing to Nebraska, that's going to be huge, huge for their season. Uh, but they they have the star power. Travis Hunter, Shador Sanders, they have the star power. So it'll be very, very interesting to see. So, all right, Brent, you got any final thoughts on Nebraska? Uh, nothing from my end. I mean, uh, they're probably like the number one team at the top of my list. That's going to be just fun to watch this year to see how it all comes together. Because I think they're probably the biggest question mark, not only in the West, but the entire conference. So definitely excited for the season for the Oscars. 
Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we are going to talk some Maryland football after this. So Brant is going to head out. T. Sully is going to stay with us. And we are going to bring in our Maryland representative from the Turtleheads Talk. So uh, before we get started, Jordan Turtle from Turtlehead Talk. Jordan, tell me, are you excited for Josh Gaddis this year at Maryland? No. No. <laughs> no. I didn't mean to start uh, no, off with negative. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I'm sure he's going to do fine. Um, I, I'm i actually excited about Kevin Spellman being the offensive co-coordinator. Ooh. But uh, I will say I think this is – we'll talk about it later, but this is definitely – the biggest step for Maryland football in a while. We, we've definitely got all the pieces to make, surprise some people. Let's put it that way. Right, yeah, just uh, in that loaded Big Ten East there, if you can pull away one of those few wins, you could really, really surprise people. And you almost had it last year against Ohio State. So we will really see what Maryland can do this season. But before we get into that, go ahead and plug your podcast for us, Jordan. Uh, we've been around for over a year now. In my opinion, we're the best podcast on Big Banner. We're the best podcast in the world. You know what I mean? We talk a little bit of everything. We're main Terps basketball, Terps football, Terps lacrosse, soccer, field hockey, whatever you want to talk about. We also talk NFL, MLB, Orioles, Ravens. We're here in Maryland. So uh, we're a great listen, good time, get a couple good laughs. We're about an hour-long show. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, go for sure do that. Should be a fun time. All right, go ahead and get into your prediction for us this season with Maryland, Jordan. Let us know what you're thinking. So we're known for our hot takes over here, and I'm going 11-1. and one. We're going to lose one game. That's the Ohio State. We're going to beat Michigan. We're going to beat Penn State. Penn State, I think, is vastly overrated. Every year we see Penn State struggle towards the end of the season. Michigan, I believe we're at home. We almost beat them at Michigan last year. Here comes a little turtle head now walking in. But we will beat Michigan, and I think we will beat Penn State. I do think we will lose Ohio State. However, we got Nebraska on here. I'm actually worried about your game. It's at Nebraska. It's in between Penn State and Michigan. Death track game. If we beat Penn State, we're going to be high on the horse going into Nebraska, and I could feel an upset brewing there. Wow, some love there for the Cornhusters, <laughs> T-Soul. What do you think about that game and some of the other hot takes Jordan had? Uh, for Nebraska with the Maryland game, it just depends what the season looks like. Like if Nebraska's on pace to have another four win season, then Maryland's going to be sitting pretty to come in and, and, you know, beat them in that game. If Nebraska is competing for the West, which is very possible because there's not very many strong, like elite teams in the West, I'll say there's a lot of strong teams, not elite. If Nebraska is competing with those guys, then it's you know possible that they're going to be ready for Maryland coming to town. But I do believe that this season is the season for Maryland to make some noise. I'm I'm with you there. I love their quarterback. I think they're going to have an offensive star power this season. And actually, I'm the guy of hot takes on our show. I'm picking Maryland to finish third in the East. I think they're going to surpass one of the other three. My prediction is Penn State, but I think the other one could be Ohio State. I don't know that they're going to pass Michigan this year. Yeah, my uh, the biggest takeaway I think as Terps fans and what a lot of people don't realize, Maryland has not won ten games in two decades. We have had some rough years with the Randy Etzels and of course the DJ Durkin trial. Is from that tree branch of Ralph Region, and he's definitely got Maryland swag back. We're 
bringing back the old uniforms. I think that popped off this week. I know the script popped off a couple weeks ago, but they're bringing back the black. So Maryland is a team to watch, and Locks is starting to bring depth because for years our issue was we had a lot of good individuals, Stefan Diggs, uh, so forth, individual players. We didn't have the depth. Now we're bringing the depth with some studs. I'm telling you, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and the transfer from Tennessee, Mr. Phillips, he's a big boy. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Maryland this year. Hey, I uh, I had Tuatila Tuatila Tonga in my first team for the Big Ten this season over JJ McCarthy. I just love what he brings, and I think that he is a difference maker at quarterback. I think he is one of those guys that you put him in the game, and he can really, really uh, show what he can do. Has a lot of arm talent, and I I think his weapons around him, like you said, are a little bit better than people give him credit for. Could we be looking at a Heisman season yeah, no. for Tuilia Tonga Absolutely. If if Maryland's going to go eleven and one, it's going to be cut. It's going to be because, and I'm going to help you out. Everybody struggles with the name. Everybody knows his brother. It's either we call him Baby Tua, we call him TT, and every once in a while he earns the right of Talia, his actual name. Yeah. So Baby TT or Baby, it's the way to go. It just saves everybody the trouble of trying to pronounce them. But right. <laughs> if Maryland is eleven and one, I guarantee you. I guarantee you he's in talk for a Heisman because some things have gone very well for Maryland if we're sitting here at 11 and 1. Well, and I think the name recognition there too, like you said, you know, just the story of another uh, Tonga Vailoa coming in and, and helping out with that. So, can, do you see a path for the Heisman T Soul? Is there any path there possible, you think? I think that there's always potential for a path because he seems to be the quarterback who has potential to play on Sundays. But I don't believe that the Big Ten is going to be winning any Heismans this year with quarterback. I think the Big Ten this season is just kind of outclassed by some of the other conferences, especially the the uh, the Pac-12. But, you know, a lot of those guys are going to be joining the Big Ten next year anyways. Very true, very true. Now, we do have a matchup between you guys at Nebraska on week 11. So what are we thinking there, guys? Do do, what, do you guys agree that Maryland's going to come out on top? Do you guys think the other one's going to come out on top? What are we thinking there? Start with you, Jordan. Well, like he said earlier, it, it all depends what Nebraska's looking at. If Nebraska only has like four wins going to that game and Maryland is doing – maybe they're not one loss team, maybe one or two losses – but if they're the more better team going late in the season, I think Maryland wins that. However, if Nebraska's like five wins, this could be playing for a bowl game. Maryland comes off a big win versus Penn State. I'll be a little nervous going into Nebraska. What say you, T-Soul? Yeah, it's just I could see it going either way. I mean, it's, there's just so many question marks. I would just I would be shocked if this is like a three or four touchdown win by either side. I I think this is going to be, you know, a pretty a pretty high scoring game. I bet you it's like thirty five to thirty, or you know, thirty five twenty eight, something in that range. I just don't know who's going to win that game. It just Nebraska has a lot of question marks, and then I think Maryland has to stay healthy as well. Let me ask you this: November eleventh in Nebraska, looking at temperature wise, you're probably looking. I mean, it'll be cold. Nebraska a lot of times has like these random games where there's just like 50 mile per hour wind. So you could look at that. I know a couple of years ago, 
or more than a couple of years ago. It was probably like six or seven years ago. Maryland came to town and it was snowing in November. Nebraska is just kind of a question mark because it could be 60 degrees. I mean, it's just kind of random. Yeah, I, I can I can see it now. We're, we're gonna be we're gonna come off that win against Penn State. I'm book that win, book it, and we're gonna walk in Nebraska. It's gonna be a mist rain. It's gonna be miserable. You think it's gonna be high scoring? I'll go with low scoring, and Maryland escapes with like a field goal. Do agree? It's gonna be a close game, no matter what. It's high scoring, low scoring. It's gonna be a close game. It's gonna be a battle. And I think uh, I think uh, that kind of game really fits Hemby too. You know, you get Hemby in there, and Anthony Grant last year was a leading rush for, rusher for Nebraska. But I think I heard talk this week he might not even be the starter. So Nebraska might have a deeper running back room than we than we realize out there. I'm here for a game like that, guys. I am. I would be so ready for you know just a slush fest of ground and pound and and have the defenses really be tested. So all right, hey, any final th- thoughts from you guys for Maryland football this season? No, I mean, uh, not- my biggest thing – oh, good, good, Scott. No. I was just going to say, not for me, I, I'm just excited for uh, Baby Tua, as he said. I think he's going to have a great year, and I'm excited to see if Maryland's ready to take that that push and actually contend with some of the, the better teams and hang with them at least. You know, don't don't lose them by four touchdowns. Hang with them. Play till the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest – hang with them. Show that you belong in the Big Ten – and, of course, I'm not going to finish a, a segment without giving a shout-out to Mr. Dante Trader. He's right down the road from us, dual athlete, lacrosse, and football starter for both. My man's going to put on, and he's a sleeper to watch for the Defensive Player of the Year. All right, good deal. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, guys. We are going to say goodbye to T-Soul and Jordan. Thanks to them for coming on. And we're going to bring Brant back in here as we end the show. Just talk a little bit about the CFP and what that looks like. Last year was the first time the Big Ten got two teams into the conf- into the college football playoffs. Now it didn't end the way we wanted to, uh, but it was a pretty exciting year. So, so my thought is, Brant, what would happen if we run into this scenario that a lot of people seem to like with the 11 and 1 Penn State, 11 and 1 Michigan, 11 and 1 Ohio State? Can we see three teams from the Big 10 in the college football playoffs? What do you think happens? I mean, you're going to need absolute chaos for that to happen, but I do think that those three teams are potentially three of the top four most talented teams in all of college football entering this season. Um I mean, yeah, I, I like that scenario to happen. I I think it probably will, in all honesty, where all three of those teams are going eleven and one. Um, but for that to, for that to happen and to get all three into the playoffs, you're going to need a lot of cannibalization within the other conferences, uh, like what happened in the Pac-12 last year, where you you've got team no team with one no no undefeated team, no team with one loss. Everyone's got two or three losses, um, and that's a really deep conference there too. So it could happen again. ACC, you're going to need Florida State and Clemson both to lose two games, which it's going to be tough for that to happen, but it's, there's a possibility. Uh, Big 12, same thing. Uh, you've got like Texas. You you always have a, a surprise team kind of, kind of coming out and p- competing in the Big 12 as well. Um, it's really tough to say who's going to be at the top of that conference this year, but uh, that's one that easily could uh, cannibalize itself with the top team having two losses. Uh, and then the SEC you're going to need Georgia to just run right through that conference and the next best team, whether that be Alabama, LSU, uh, to also have two losses. For sure. I, you know, I look at 
what has happened in the past. And honestly, if Alabama runs in the same scenario, they were in again with two losses and they're sitting at five or something like that. As much as I would love to see Penn state, Michigan and Ohio state all in the uh, college football playoffs. I, I just get the feeling like they're going to put Alabama in over one of these one loss uh, big 10 teams. You know, you, you've got the national media out there saying that, you know, eight games in the sec is harder than nine games in the big 10. You know, that's BS. That's not true, but that's what they say. And so of course that's what the AP poll voters and the college football playoff committee are going to be listening to more so than anything else. And uh, I, I just, I think it's bogus, but, but the biggest question is not just can they get three in can Michigan Get over this bowl hump that they've been on. I think that they are like tied for second for the longest uh, bowl game losing streak, current bowl game losing streak out there. I mean, Brant, what is going on with the Wolverines? Can they get over this hump anytime soon? My answer there is no. We haven't seen it. Um, I mean, they're returning a lot of players this year. They have one of the most talented rosters top to bottom in college football. But can J.J. McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh lead the team to a big win? Um, obviously aside from Ohio state, they've won that one the past few years and that's been pretty significant for them. But when it comes to bowl games, they just can't do it. And I don't, I don't see like the power there to, to go in and do it this year. Well, my, my biggest advice, you know, if Jim Harbaugh came into this podcast and said, you know, JR, what do you think about, uh, the bowl games and what do you think I should do? You know, so, uh, I, he's probably not going to listen to it, but my biggest advice for Jim Harbaugh would be you you are the team now, right? You are slated as the second best team in the nation. People think you're great. People think you're talented. Stop the trickery. Stop playing cute. Stop this stuff. You know, like, like I look at last year with the TCU game, the very first time they were in the red zone, fourth down, what'd they do? They tried to run this cute little trick play statue of Liberty. That's not what it was, but you know, that's the first trick play that comes to my mind, but they tried to run this cute little trick play. And then when they get on the goal line, which, you know, was bogus, they should have had a touchdown there on that catch. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's the game. It happens. They try to give it to, to either a current linebacker or an ex linebacker there at the goal line. When you have Donovan Edwards and I'm thinking to myself, man, stop with the cute stuff. You have the talent, you have the team, you know, make it happen. Don't, don't get too cute with it. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like Jim Harbaugh needs to kind of level up his own mentality about his team, which it sounds like he's been doing in the, in the off season, but level that up and say, we are the big dog and let's play like it. What do you think, Brent? Uh, I completely agree there. Like in that game against TCU last year, Michigan was clearly the more talented team top to bottom. Uh, they had kind of overpowered on both lines. But when it came down to it, like you said, Harbaugh was getting too cute, um, running all these trick plays and whatnot. Uh, McCarthy had a few interceptions early on that uh, kind of buried them early. And it like if you're doing that kind of stuff, you're not going to win when it, the big games when it comes down to it. Um, you just got to stick to your game plan. I mean, they've got an insane offensive line, insane running back room, great defensive line, great front seven. Um, great secondary too like it i mean they're just loaded everywhere um if they stick to the game plan just pound the ball on the ground overpower in the trenches it's going to be tough to beat them but if they don't do that i mean that that's that's where they've been losing yep yeah and let that joe Moore offensive line 
do its work. You know, you don't have to have the power back back there if you already have the power in front of them. You know, just let them do their work. All right, last thing we'll talk about, and then we'll get out of here. It's been a long show. It's been a marathon, but it's been a lot of fun. Seems like it's just flown by. Uh, so, so Brent. We talk a lot about Penn State, talk a lot about Ohio State, Michigan for the playoffs. You know, if there was one team from the West, right, we have to talk through some of these winners that they talked about, Iowa, Wisconsin, possibly Nebraska. If there's one team from the West that they've been talking about to win the West, they win the Big Ten Championship, who is it Who is it that could make the college football playoffs? I mean, my pick there, uh, and this could change with uh, recent news coming out about uh, the gambling suspensions, but my pick as of right now, if Quinn Schulte and Jamari Harris are not suspended, is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I think their defense is top three in the Big Ten. Their offense is going to take a huge step forward with uh, McNamara in there. Um, The offense line wasn't great last year, but another year to gel together. They were young. Um, and then bringing in some weapons at receiver and at tight end. Uh, I think they can take a huge step forward on offense. I think their defense is going to be, you know, what it always is. And if they can, I mean, th- that the big thing that was brought up on the show today is they don't have Ohio State and they don't have Michigan on their schedule. Having that schedule makes it a lot easier to kind of power through uh, the West um, with without really having a tough game aside from Penn State um, crossover-wise. So you go and you win those West games. You have you can maybe lose one and go eleven and one, and then you get to Indy. All you got to do is knock off whoever comes out from the East, which obviously is a tough feat. But if if you're there, all you got to do is win the game. And at that point, like college football is crazy. There's been crazier things that happen. If they go twelve and one, they're in the playoff. Right. Well, we've seen it before in the Big Ten. You know, certain teams just put together the game of the season and just really come through and take out one of these top dogs. I mean, it's happened to Ohio State with uh, Purdue years ago. Iowa's done it. Michigan State did it. You know, a lot of stuff has happened like that. It's I mean, this is why we love college football, right? The craziness of it happening. I remember last year we were all talking about um you know, the predictions and stuff. And I wrote some of those down from some of these national media members and they just like they all get flown out the window because college football is just impossible to predict. You can't predict it, you, but you love it. You love watching it. Unless, you know, of course, you're listening to Big Bookie, then they're able to, you know, get you good bets and help you out with that. So uh, I won't won't disparage their bets. But, but yeah, so, hey, it's been a fun show. I've had a good time talking to everybody, learned a lot. Brant, you have any final thoughts before we head out of here? Uh, no, nothing for me, but uh, I guess – all I have to say is if you suck around and listen to this whole marathon here, um, you're a real one. You're, you're a big, big 10 fan. Uh, so appreciate you listening. Definitely make sure you're following along with the big 10 huddle subscribed um, and go check out your, uh, your favorite team's podcast as well within the big banter network. Lots of great stuff coming this season. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. For sure. And we are football loaded right now, but we do have some basketball podcasts for teams and we're looking to increase that catalog as well. So be checking back as we add more podcasts and we increase that reach over there as well. Thank you so much for listening. Like Brent said, you're a real one. Have a great day, whatever day it is, and looking forward to the season. Bye.